trying to find a decent song to start the show with. I've been through Paul McCartney's entire solo catalogue and I can't find anything I fancy. Kels, any, any ideas? Catherine, any ideas? What, a, a good song we could start the show with? A good, a good one. Let's have a look what we got. Fancy a good one. Hang on, we can't... Let's... Wait, hang on. Do you mean upbeat... Down tempo. Upbeat, down tempo, what do about, a soul song. What about California Soul? California uh, no. it's a, it's, I mean, it's Not a gr- hot enough yet. It's a great song. It's a great song, but I feel that's kind of our standby. No, our standby is the, like the Beatles and the Monkeys. Whoa, whoa, no, that's our um, upfront. What, what mood are you in today? Um, what zone? How are you feeling? I'm kind of in a... You're clicking your fingers. I'm yeah. waggling my head. So, I'm shaking my hand. What about that song you like? About the, uh, the, 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 thing. the DJ extended version. Starship. No, it's not fancy that. Um, Gosh, she's getting picky today. Really, Normally, really, um, You weren't this hard, Catherine. But you know, I, I was in the same... I was in the car today and I just couldn't find an album I liked. Could not find an album I liked. Uh. Um, hang on, don't worry, don't worry, dear listener. We'll start the show. This isn't this isn't a little you know rehearsed. What, what, what about XTC? You like that one at the moment? Um, yeah, I was supposed to have lunch on it today and he's cancelled. So oh, let's not talk about him. Off them. Talking uh, heads. Oh, it could be getting close there. We could not, you're not feeling a lifetime. No, something that's not in the system. Oh, why? That just gives us extra work. I know. Yeah, I know. Okay. The life to check the lyrics. What and about everything. what about Fleetwood Mac? Okay, okay. Um, let me get Google Fleetwood. Secondhand news or something? Hold me. Secondhand news is we're getting there. We're getting there. Hang on, hang on. Secondhand news could be. Um, let me just look. Um, hang on. Don't worry. We're going to start the show and it's going to be flipping awesome today. We're talking about bolt-ons. Oh, that's not right. Sorry. Um, sorry. No, I'm talking about that. Um, anyway. Oh, oh, I hate myself. Make a decision. Why can't you make a decision this morning? Um, I don't know why. (laughs) (laughs) Do you get it? Yeah. Do you get it? I got it a bit, yeah. What about say... What about... No. You will. No, 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 no. We're going to go old school. Fleet right, Kelly. Seven Wonders. No, no, no. Fleetwood Mac. Oh, well. Right. We're going old school Mac. Do you want me to get it? We're going old school Mac before Buckingham and Nick's. Yeah? We ain't got it. Yeah. No, on the on the big computer. She's looking, she's looked. You've got it. I oh, know, I've done it wrong, Arm. Mm. Should I do the show? Just say something yeah. important and then um There's I'll a fire! No, no, no. Not that. Here we go, I've got it, got it, got it. <sighs> right. You wouldn't get this on uh, BBC Coventry. Wouldn't you? No. What would they be doing? Professional broadcasting. Really? Yeah. So they go straight in, open the show. Boom. They have. They talk about the content. Someone's yep. written you a and menu. Immediately got callers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Well, <sighs> so what are we talking about today? Um, Old we, manor. Bulging prison. Oh, hang on, I can do this. Bulging prisons, empty stomachs, and invisible passports. If you want to contact the show, what? Uh, I don't know why I'd want to contact the show. You haven't sold it to me properly. And should you get bolt-ons on the NHS? <laughs> Give us a call. What do you mean by bolt-ons? Big fake boobs. Oh, what in the national health system? Health. The, what does NHS stand for? Nothing. No, no, it's interesting. Sorry, I, what does what does NHS stand for? It, oh, service. National Health Service. Did you just whisper that to her? No, no I've said didn't. it's there. I'm whispering that it's there. Right. It's technically we can a stop system. this charade. Oh wait for charade. Charade. 
<laughs> she was I so overrated. No, she's terrible. Smooth operator. Oh, I quite like that bit where she goes, goes to go. That bit's good. Into Chicago. Oh, wait, four five nine four double five five double five. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. This is exactly the song I had in my head when I was trying to think of a song but couldn't. Are you ready? Mm, yeah. Uh, Catherine? I'm braced. Yeah? Okay. Yeah? Here we go. There we go. That's what we needed. That's what we needed. And by the way, by the way... Sorry, Catherine? What happened at the end there? Uh, they kind of came... fed up and started doing something else. They came down. I really like that. By the way, guys, yes. Paul McCartney's birthday today. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday, La! Birthday. <laughs> we should really do some of the stories we've got planned for the show, shouldn't we? Shouldn't we? We'll do some stories and we'll celebrate Paul McCartney's birthday in a bit. Now, oh, excuse me. I'm choked with emotion. Prison watchdogs have raised serious concerns about overcrowding and violence at HMP Bedford. The latest report from Her Majesty's Inspectorate of Prisons suggests inmates are spending too much time in their cells and they should be offered more education and training opportunities. It also calls for the prison to reduce the number of incidents involving the use of force. Well, here's what one former inmate told our reporter Justin Dealey. Conditions are poor, not cockroaches... It's not nice at all. What about the overcrowding? Um, overcrowding is definitely overcrowded. Yeah, definitely overcrowded. And how many people were inside your cell? Um, my cell, I had four people inside my cell, but that was a four-man door. And if you don't mind me asking, what were you there for? I was just there for ABH, fighting. And what about the other people inside your cell? Were these hardened criminals? Some, some were doing life, some doing other, other sentences, other stuff. And I mentioned this to somebody else earlier on. Is it a ticking time bomb? Because it is so overcrowded in there that, that people are so frustrated that that prisoners might get together one day and they'll simply say, right, I've had enough, and they could potentially riot. There's a lot of riots when I was in there, actually. A lot of stuff. There's a lot of problems in the prisons. What's the worst thing you saw inside that prison? Um, no, no, just, just, just general fights, really. But I think it's just the conditions, the poor conditions in Bedford. It's definitely poor conditions in it. It needs refurbishing, 100%. Did you see knives in there, drugs in there? Uh, drugs. Didn't see any weapons, but I see a lot of drugs. What sort of drugs are we talking about? Um, a lot of heroin inside prisons. I saw a lot of it in there, yeah. Well, Andy Darkin is a former prison officer and is the ge- uh, Deputy General Secretary of the Prison Officers Association. Good morning, Andy. Good morning. Uh, well, what's your reaction to what we heard there, that, that a blind eye is turned to, to drugs because it keeps prisoners quiet? Well, I can't think that a blind eye is turned to drugs at all. The, what, the, what the prisoners probably mean is they managed to get older drugs uh, uh, covertly and hide them from everyone. The, the staff are always on the lookout for anything that might cause an incident, and they would generally find drugs on a regular... But, but do they, I've, I've got friends who've been in prison and who did drugs in prison, and they said it was easier to, to score in there sometimes than it is to score on the outside world. And you can tell if someone's done a little bit of heroin, can't you? Well, I'm not sure necessarily that you can, but... Uh, well... Yes, but drugs will be about in prisons. I wouldn't say they're ever freely available. And part of the problem, of course, is the uh, severe lack of staffing. Mm. But prison, by the way, I mean, it's significantly overcrowded. It should only hold about 320 prisoners, and it's got over 500. Why is that? Why, why have we got overcrowded prisons? Well, the prison closure programme, the amount of prisons closed in the last few years, the reduction in staffing on what they call new ways of working. Well, the reduction in staffing isn't going to overcrowd prisons, is it? 
Well, what that would mean is you've got less staff about to keep an eye on what's going on. And when you overcrowd the prisons even more, then that makes it even more difficult for staff to maintain order and control. Bedford is, is, is one of 40 prisons across the country being asked to take on more inmates, even though it is overcrowded. Would more staff help, do you think? Well, well of course more staff would help because you'd be able to keep better security, discipline and control in any prison and that's, and that's important as well because if you want to help the prisoners rehabilitate you need that sense of security, discipline and control there. Um, but they won't help taking any more prisoners. They're 51% overcrowded at Bedford already without taking any more and they're not intending to give it any more staff to take the prisoners. They need to build more prisons, don't they? Is it as simple as that? Go and build a few more prisons? Well, it is fairly simple as that, yes. I mean, I'd have to say the previous uh, government, Labour government, they had plans to increase the prison population or availability of spaces up to 90,000 by now. Um, the coalition government came in and scrapped those plans and decided to close prisons, thinking the rehabilitation revolution would reduce the prison population. And what's, what are working conditions like for, uh, for your members, Andy, for prison officers? Well, the working conditions for prison officers, not just in Bedford, but all, all around the country, are very, very difficult. It's difficult for, for staff when, when there's so few staff with so many prisons being crowded into our prisons. It is difficult. I mean, but my members and prison officers and prison staff in general do an excellent job maintaining control as they do you've not heard of serious disturbances in in many prisons for quite a long time what is a prison i've got no idea andy what, what what's the average wage of a prison officer well that depends because uh, prison officers are on varying pay scales at the moment with the introduction uh, a couple of years ago of a new pay scale so it would vary for a prison officer on the ground floor it would vary from about £18,000 to about 31 32 depending where you are and what terms and conditions you're on it's not, not a lot is it really it isn't a lot for what they do yeah. is why you have a difficulty maintaining staff and staff staying yeah. in the job nowadays Andy I, I appreciate you coming on at this ridiculous time in the morning thank you Andy Darkin uh, uh, former prison officer, Deputy General Secretary of the Prison Officers Association. If uh, you want to have your say on that, oh eight four. Maybe you've got no sympathy for the prisoners. Maybe you've been in prison. and You think, yeah, you know, conditions are pretty lousy. Or maybe you think, ah, stuff them, ah, stuff them. That's not going to help, though, is it? Is it? No, I mean, um, it's we're celebrating Paul McCartney's birthday. Happy birthday, Sir Paul McCartney! Happy birthday. birthday. Don't sing that. Uh, we're celebrating Paul McCartney's birthday. Happy Happy birthday. Don't sing it. Uh, but we're not just going to play a, a, a song by that, that then Beatles. Uh, we're not going to play a Paul McCartney solo song. We're going to play Woman uh, oh. by Peter and Gordon. So who are these chaps? Well, one of them is Peter Asher, Jane Asher's brother, uh, and uh, potentially the uh, brother-in-law of Paul McCartney if he hadn't cheated on Jane Asher with Linda McCartney. The oh. clue's in the name. Gordon, i got no idea. Oh. Do you want to say something else about it? Uh, no, I want to play it. Well, but you've got to... Um, uh, I've got to... No, I want to play it. Just get it... Ooh. Sorry, for... How's your... I, I, I can feel, I can feel. How are your elbows, Kath? I'm returning to normal temperature. For those who missed yesterday's exciting show, Catherine Boyle's elbows were, well, a little bit of an oxymoron. One was cool, one was hot. <laughs> yeah.
Just remind us what the hot one was. I banged one. Yeah. Oh, um, sorry? Yeah, this. Oh, right. This yeah. right one here. Yeah. I've shown you now. Um, it's returning to normal size and yeah. with it, normal temperature. There we go. Isn't it funny how you can have a swollen elbow and you'd be able to tell, not by looking, but by touching. A blind person could know that your elbow was it poorly. Was really, it was roasting hot, wasn't it? Speaking of roasting hot, man alive, we had a little works outing into Luton yesterday. <laughs> Some of the stuff that happened was uh, was literally mind blowing and eye mind blowing. <laughs> we we went to Boots and we did some smelling salts. <laughs> it was like it was like a group of fourteen year olds around the back of a news agents with lighter fluid. It was intense, man. Well, you wouldn't tell me what it smelled like apart from smelling salts, so I had to have a little sniff. It's a medication. Uh, I had some, and I went straight in there with a a big. And we all set. We all, all four of us, myself, Catherine, Kelly, and Justin, in that order, all uttered the same phrase straight after doing flipping it. Heck. We went, "Oh, flipping heck!" Really loudly in boots. You came to it, Kel. Smell this, and for some reason, I did. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Flipping heck! Oh, it, it was. Like it, it burned everything it was an in my extraordinary head. sensation. I felt alive for the first time in my life, and then straight after that, we saw. Now, and I say this respectfully... Did we really see that, or was that a side effect? We saw a bald man who'd painted his head black with, with boot polish. It was shiny. I hope, sir, if you're listening, I say this with respect and love. You um, can tell. It, you, we could tell. I liked it. I liked it, um, the, just the brass neck of thinking so, so, he was fooling anyone. So there's me and Catherine in boots, in the smelling salts aisle, off our face, <laughs> sniffing away, and then Catherine goes, Ian, Ian, quick... Have a look at this. No, I didn't. I said, Ian, Ian. And then I did the eyes. And he had painted his head with boot polish, thinking it looked like a full head O'Hare. It was as if someone had grabbed hold of his legs and dipped him yeah. in black paint. It was shiny. He, shiny. he had done the sideburns yeah. as well. They were my favourite. He'd done a good job. Do you remember yeah. the Merciless is Black shiny helmets for his wedding? That. It was that. Maybe it was Ming the Merciless. Is the song ready? Of course it is. Happy birthday, Paul. Happy birthday. Don't sing it. Yeah, woman. 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 Where's my tea? There aren't enough songs that describe ladies as woman or women as ladies. There's, you used to get a lot of... F- oh, my lady, my lady, that you are my woman. That makes me feel a little bit sick. I know, and I miss that. The 1960s and the 70s. And well, the 80s. Yeah, for I'm your lady. Now it's a girl. Yeah, it's a girl. Come on, men. Let's get sexist again. Let's start getting sexist again. You are my lady. You are my woman. I like woman better. I like both. It sounds a bit more... I like lady. Lady's classy. You are such a precious lady. And you're my woman. Lady's what you say before. Woman is... (laughs) Out, woman. Lady, I want to get into my bed. Get out of my bed, woman. That's, that's how it works. That's the running order there. 08459 455 555. Your stories of ladies and women. And also, if you want to wish Sir Paul McCartney a happy birthday, this is the official place to do it. He will be calling us later on, I reckon. I just tweeted him, so it's very likely. Now, one in five working parents have had to choose between paying a bill or feeding their family. The Church of England has been looking into the use of food banks in the Diocese of Oxford, which includes uh, Buckinghamshire. Its 999 food survey suggests Christians are leading the way when it comes to feeding people in need. Ewan Duncan has been talking to Keith, uh, S- Keith Silverthorne, who runs the food bank at the Crosslink Centre on the Lakes Estate in Bletchley. We're now one of seven distribution points, as well as the mobile facility that they've tried to set up. 
how vital a service is it? Oh, it's dramatic. Normally we can have up to 12, 14, 15 families coming in the hour that we're open each session. So as we're open two sessions a week, that can be 30 families a week just through here. There is definitely, with the increasing difficulties around benefits, more immediate need for people to get food help. Do people tell you their stories or are they just pleased to get the food? Some feel really embarrassed, which they don't need to be because everybody has difficulties sometimes, but some feel embarrassed and are awkward. Some are really chatty and uh, are able to, to share stories and we've shared some lovely stories uh, here. But mostly they're grateful and they want to get in, get the food and get out and get on their, on their way. People could understand why there is a stigma attached, but there's no need for it really. Yeah, I think it's possible to go from affluence to the to the, the street in about three or four steps. It's not a difficult thing to hit sometimes. And short-term need is, is what food banks apparently can't address long-term need, but it can help those short-term situations where people are really desperate. Do you feel this service is here to stay, or do you think eventually people will be better off? I'd like to think it wouldn't be. I'd like to think that uh, the need will go, but uh, it's unlikely, I think. We've seen plenty of hardship during the economic recession. Is that the main contributory factor? You've mentioned benefits as well. It's benefits. It's people who have just got out of prison. It's um, home breakup. There are so many reasons why people need short-term help. The economic situation is obviously the biggest one, and that hopefully will be getting better. And is there a satisfaction in helping these people? Oh, of course, yeah. 99% of the people that, that come in here are, are really genuine and uh, are really grateful. We're the ones that people say thank you to, but really the, the thanks go to all the people that donate and uh, organise the scheme and get the food here. How many times can people visit? They can come up to five times in any 12 months which it may not seem seem a lot, but if, if you're getting three or four days' food each time you come, to, to satisfy a short-term need, it's, it's a big help. But it'll never fill a, a long-term gap. Well, that was you and Duncan there speaking to Keith Silverthorne. Yes, there were two different people speaking there. So you just remind me of Harvest Festivals. I've been listening to a song about Harvest Festival recently. Yeah, I know. What? Well, you sent me the link. It's a great it's song. the beginning. Whoa! No, you've got to get into the song because he just—it sums up what Harvest Festival was about at school. On the altar, yeah. See the two who've been. There was always two kids that got chosen to go around the old people and deliver deliver food. I never got that. What a dull subject for a song. A song about Harvest Festival is the best idea for a song ever. Oh, Mum's giving me beans again. (laughs) We always have peas pudding. I don't even know. Can everyone stop saying flipping egg, please? What do you want, fudge and pickle? Just anything else. Not that. (laughs) What about? You read my mind. Flaming nail. No. No. Blooming egg. No. It's all it's all euphemism for swears. Um what okay, I wait four five nine, four double five, five double five. What can we say what swears can we say that aren't swears? That won't offend uh, Kel's sensibilities. Um I had a teacher that used to say one, but it still sounded really disgusting. Go on. Futtocks. Yeah, that one. Really? Yeah. They say futtocks. He said that at school. Yeah. I think that's that's risky because you could slip into you know one or of two dangerous camps. Well, buttocks isn't a dangerous camp unless you're you're actually camping in a, a, <laughs> a field of buttocks, and that's a terrifying camp. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. So tomorrow we've decided because Kath is where. Well, describe what you're wearing, Kath. It's actually it's actually known as a kimono. <laughs> jacket right 
it's all that's what the kids are all wearing um, at the moment I've not seen any kid I've not seen anyone under the age of 64 wearing that yeah well it is it is a bit it is a bit like that you look you like might... the hippie art teacher yeah I love it though right. it's, uh, it's basically a dressing gown top with no belt on so it then got me thinking dressing gowns are underused I really think they're underused I love my dressing gown the... have you got a winter and a summer one well I I don't really have dress I, I, the woolen ones have gone now the, the, you haven't got a towel in the towel in ones are gone the boys have got towel in ones they're oh, they brilliant look, aren't they oh they look so I don't cute. really know why they need hoods but no, I like I the hoods they look so cute it's the best thing um, and I don't think I've got any towel in ones I, I, I gathered them over the years I don't I've got a nasty brown towel in one it's well, lovely well, though so soft you don't see the dirt exactly but, but my summer one is, is, is a bit like this. Well, this is, this is the thing, you see. Um, I, the dressing gown I've got... Now, it sounds... You're laughing because I've told you this. Well, open Kelly's and see if it's just a natural reaction. It's a vaguely oriental silk dressing gown. I know the exact type you mean. Sorry? I know the exact type. It's the dragon got, on the back. It's not yeah. got dragons. <laughs> it's not got dragons on it. Just one in That's sequence. not a dragon noise. <laughs> <laughs> Do a dragon noise? That's a lion. Oh. Um, that's a lion pouncing. It's not got... It's got, like, sort of... I think... I'm not, Where did you get it from? That's a bear. I think it was... Um, it's th- a gift. It was a gift from... It was a gift from someone, yes. Many, many years. I mean, this is a gift, like, maybe eight years ago. Someone who thought you were a silk... No, well, I think it's silk. Um, no, it's not silk. It's shiny. When you wear it, do you spark up a cigar? No, don't. It'd be highly flammable if it's not silk. Um, so, but you've you've been satin. Are we talking satin? It covers it covers the gentleman. Only just apparently. If you peek, you can see. No, it's a, it's <laughs> it's long. It's full length. Wow, what mid length? No, it's mid. I don't know. I've not worn it for ages. So tomorrow, <gasps> girls, have you got a dressing gown? Yeah, I bet it's tiny. What, I'll bring my boys in. I bet you could fit into my boys' dressing gown. Oh, one hundred percent. Okay. Um, tomorrow, it's National Dressing Gown Day. I bet Dealey's got a dragon dressing gown. Dealey's going to go out in his dressing gown. Let's get, we'll get Dealey up before seven. We'll speak to him. Uh, we're all going to come in wearing dressing gowns um, for no point more than I just want to Comfort, see. really? Comfort. Yeah. Comfort and joy. That. Comfort and you joy. You wait. The rest of the office will be doing it by the end of the week. Yeah, oh, Roberto will be doing it. Roberto will be doing it. And, but they'll have Michael Jackson dog impersonator in or something. When I was at Glastonbury last year, Yeah. Um, Method Man came, he's a... I know, I know oh, the, the, the methods. Just check in. I know the methods. The Wu-Tang and uh, he came on wearing his... He did the song called um, The Rhythm, didn't he? Sure. Yeah. Is, he, is he Wu-Tang? Yeah, man. Wu-Tang Clang! He came on wearing his dressing gown on stage. Yeah, oh, man, that is nuts. the chain. That is absolutely off the chain. He is so butters, that guy, isn't he? <laughs> he is so butters, that guy. What's your dressing gown like, Kels? <laughs> it's pink. Yeah. Fluffy, Oy. very soft. Ah. Uh, Okay, and we're naked Hill underneath, world. yeah? Whoa! Yeah? Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. Totally bare grills. <laughs> I'm bare grills. I'm covering my grills up. <laughs> you you put yours on to um, sex I'm, up the postman. No, if I'm expecting expecting a delivery, I will put yeah, my gown delivery on. Yeah, delivery Well, only because otherwise I'm swanning around in, you know... Bare grills? No. Oh, wait, like for a negligee or a... <laughs> Negligee? Are you, are you like a nineteen um, sixties house? Are one. you an alcohol? Yeah, an alcoholic, lonely. Uh, anyway, right. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the phone number. Now we're going to. Should we play a song before we do? Postman came tw- came over twice the other week. He'd forgotten something. He did what? He'd forgotten something. He came over twice. Yeah, I think I put him off my dressing gown. Oh, okay. oh yeah. Should we do a song? 
This is the kind of music I play. When, when Catherine's on, any old rubbish gets played on the thing. When I'm in charge of the show, we get stuff like this. Boing! Dave Dudley, Six Days on the Road. What a great song. That's the kind of music you get that gets played when I am hosting the show. I'm always happy to play Dave Dudley, any Dave Dudley, but particularly the Dave Dudley song, Six Days on the Road. Although there was a dodgy drugs reference there. There was a dodgy drugs... Or was dr- it Tic Tacs? Tic Tac-toe. That's Noughts and Crosses in America. I know. Isn't that insane? Why would they... We're... Um, we are uh, two countries um, joined by... Divided by common language. That's the fella. They, they say sidewalks, we say pavements. They say colour, we say colour, we spell colour properly. Different, couldn't understand what they're Rubbish, saying. Rubbish, trash, garbage. Well, some people have started saying garbage in this country. Yeah, it doesn't sound right. I, it does not sound right. Although Rubbish. My sister's living in the States at the moment, and um, I've been out for meals with her out there, and she kind of... She eats garbage. She Americanizes the way she speaks. Do you know why? Because otherwise they don't understand her. She's ordered a glass of water yeah. before and got waffles. What? Uh, what? Yeah, all kinds. They, they just think what begins with work. Let me, let, me, let me try on Kelly. Hang on a second. Kelly? Kelly? Mm-hmm. Let's see, let's see what she does. Can I get a, a glass of waffles, please? No, hang on, what is it? Water. Hang on, well, hang on. Hang on. Water. Water. Can I get a glass of water, please? Sure. She's not moving. She's not. We haven't got oh, any waffles in. Oh, you actually We haven't got any waffles in. You actually want... <laughs> you actually want... Can I... You, tr- you try, you try. Maybe it's the accent. Can I... Can I get a glass of water? No. Oh, okay, yeah, sure. There you go. That's how it works in America. Okay. She come. Just no, if she comes back with water and not a waffle... Okay, just got to say, for anyone who's just tuned in, we did just play Dave Dudley, Six Days on the Road. If you've just tuned in now, you will have missed it. We finished, what, 30 seconds yeah, ago? Yeah, we'll probably never play again. Probably never going to play Dave Dudley, Six Days on the Road again. We did just play it, uh, despite the tic-tac-toe reference, and it was... Uh, it was, it was awesome. enjoyable. It was it? an enjoyable song. We won't be playing it again. Um, well, let's have a look at the newspapers. Why not? That's what we're here to do. I mean, sometimes they're enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. But just, I, I just need to, to reiterate, just for anybody who has literally just tuned in, uh, that we we will not be playing that again. That again. We no, played no. it. We won't be playing it again. No. Right. What we got? Smart glasses that help the blind to see. Page. Those aren't waffles. It's a glass do you of want water. With that? Thanks. Oh, sorry. How is? See? Yeah, so you've got to do it in an American accent. Yeah, water. Okay, I'll, 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 water. Okay, I'll try. If she goes back in, I'll try. Okay. Kelly? Kelly? Hi. Can I get a glass of water? Yeah, sure. Just get it on. Whoa, wow, that's insane. Glad, isn't it? She's getting a cup and everything. That's nuts. How does that work? Can I get some waffles with that? Huh? Can I get some waffles with that? You want two glasses of water? <laughs> oh! Yeah, don't don't push it. No, okay. Right, go on, what you got? Smart glasses that help the blind to see. This is Whoa, the hang on a minute. Uh, I know. They're blind. It sounds like it couldn't happen, but it uh, apparently can, according to Fiona McRae, science correspondent for The Mail. Okay. High-tech glasses could that allow the blind to see could be on sale as early as next year. The gadget, which is hoped to cost no more than a smartphone... And looks, uh, I'm going to say, they need to work on the design. <laughs> you know when you go to the opticians and yeah. they put those big, thick things on? And then they say better, worse, yeah, yes. but the same. It's yeah. that, but with a little bit more of attachments. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, you know, it needs a little work. Uh, I think maybe they should give it to Apple to have a work on. But the gadget is hoped to cost no more than a smartphone and would allow wearers to see movement and facial expressions. They put see in uh, quote uh, body. So let's I, see what that means. It could also help those who are normally confined to their homes navigate 
shopping centres or simply walk to the corner shop. They combine information relayed by an infrared beam and normal video camera. Small computer processes the data before it's projected onto the lenses in the form of line drawings. Ah, so what it does is it puts an impression of the image closer to your eye. So you need to be partially sighted, not well, completely no, you, blind. Well, this is, the thing that, this is the thing that annoys me about blind people. Right. Right. Is a lot of them... And a, a lot of them say they are blind... When I was a kid... The definition of blind has changed. Yeah. Blind used to mean you couldn't see nothing. There was, mm-hmm. It was nothing at all. You're in a world of darkness. But now there are degrees of blindness, visual impairment, and I... It just kind of... Sometimes you see people with a white stick and they can see, and you think... Yeah. But they can't see enough. I used to have a a brilliant professor at university and she could see me if I was wearing a striped top and I was sitting quite close. But she also had this kind of ty- this kind of projector thing where she'd put a book in underneath it yeah. and put her face right next to the screen uh-huh. like I'm doing here. Yeah. And she could see everything. Here's um, the thing. If, if you didn't have your contacts in yeah. and you, didn't wear your, you weren't wearing your glasses, yeah. but I was wearing your glasses... I couldn't see you, no. Would my eyes be in focus? Would everything be blurry apart from my <laughs> eyes? Is that how it works? I'd have to have my face right on top of your face. That's the plan. We're not trying that one. No. Um, Ow. No, I think that's... uh, No. And here's something I learnt a few years ago, right? And I used to wear glasses. What for? You don't need glasses. Well, I did back then. Oh. I was very relaxed and my eyes were too relaxed, I discovered. Anyway. I, um... Did I put a patch on? No, I didn't have the patch. But glasses don't magnify things. Well, some do. No, 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 they don't. This is this blew my mind. Glasses, apart from magnifying glasses, glasses. That's what I meant by some do. But never mind. Carry on with your point. Glasses don't magnify things. They pull your eyes into focus. Yeah. It's not a magnification thing. That's nuts. I thought they made things bigger. But it would be bigger and still out of focus unless they pulled your eyes into focus. You silly sausage. What were you thinking? (laughs) I've just had a message from our political reporter, Paul Scoynes. I don't know what it refers to, and I don't think I can read it on the radio either. I think it refers to you. Really? Yeah. Is it a swear? Well, it's a a swear in German. It refers to you. Okay, thank you very much indeed. BBC Three Counties. Man alive! Let's sort this co-op building out, for goodness sakes. Catherine, are you with me? Yeah. I'm busy. Okay, right. Now, uh, we played a song earlier on. We played uh, Dave Dudley, Six Days on the Road. And it, was, it was an enjoyable song. It yeah. was a, the song of a road trip yeah. from Heartbreak. Well, Dave, Matt in Luton has called him. Morning, Matt. Hello. Uh, ooh. Matt, uh, uh, what would you like to say? Uh, Dave Dudley, absolutely rubbish. <gasps> what? That version of Six Days on the Road, there's only one person that can sing that. It's Johnny Cash. Oh, that's your beef. Yeah. Uh, have you heard Johnny Cash singing it? I've not heard Johnny Cash singing it. Well, you it. haven't lived yet. Well, well, I've had some pretty exciting If you say Dave Dudley is good, you, your taste in music has gone downhill to me. Okay. Well, <laughs> it's like somebody else singing uh, Kenny Rogers' songs, isn't it? Um, well, Would you have anybody uh, else sing Daytime Friends and Nighttime Lovers? Uh, d- uh, I, I wouldn't have anyone singing that song, if I was completely honest, Matthew. Although Matt was good. 
Well, I was good at singing it. I was, I was being polite at the time because he was going through a tough time. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> if we're being honest. It was you know, bit... it's lovely to hear you and you're so nice. I don't know why you've changed like this. No, no, Matt, listen, uh, you, you know I've got beef with you. You've got beef with me. Yeah. Let's... Well, we're both butchers then. Yeah. What? <laughs> I'll, I'll slice you a piece. <laughs> How you doing, Matt? You all right? I'm fine. I've got yeah, a song fine. for you. Do you want, here, here, listen, we're having a joke. Do you want to have a song? Yeah, go on. Here we go. Do a sing along, Matt. Oh my God! Here we go. You, you enjoyed it, Matt. Uh, oh God, it's killing me. Well, well, we'll let you go. We certainly wouldn't want to be responsible for uh, for your death. Uh, so, oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number if you want. To, if anyone wants to, I thought it was all right, but I haven't heard the Johnny Cash version. I've not heard the Johnny Cash version. We need to sort that out. Right, we'll sort that out. Uh, girls as young as four took part in an unsavoury pole dancing display at a primary school summer fete. Again, the male. Wowzers. Some disgusted parents walked away from the performance, which also featured a 12-year-old girl performing a solo polo, da- polo dance uh, um, pole dance to what? the Bonnie Tyler hit, Holding Out for a Hero. I need a hero! Doesn't say whether she had her fireman's... Jacket a and year, on. Know, she didn't have a lot on. A twelve-year-old. There's a picture in this. I'm assuming that's the twelve-year-old. No, that's year a old. woman, isn't it? That's a woman with shorts they on. They mature very quickly these days. It's a very fuzzy picture. Someone was so dis- disgusted that they filmed the whole thing. No, that's a, a shocking. Girl swings on pole at fate. Uh, I f- uh, the shorts they had on showed more than they should, and a lot of people were leaving as a result. Said a parent who didn't want to be named. I felt I was watching something very unsavoury. Uh, Grandad, Steve Jones, 71, said, well, it was all right, actually. He didn't say that. It's not even a real name. I made it up. The thing is, that's the adult's perception. The children had no idea that that's what was going on. I'm sure. It's a very athletic pursuit, it's your pole dancing. Yeah, it, well, they teach it to fat girls, don't they, now? Fat women go pole dancing to lose a bit of weight. And women who just want to boost their athleticism without having to run circuits. And tarts. Ooh, where did Ta- that come from? Well, tarts learn it as well. No. Yeah, of course they do. You saying? Are you saying? I'm no- sure they filter them out. I nearly said. Sl- you, are you? No. Sa- are you saying no tarts learn well, pole I mean, dancing? Th- it takes all sorts, I guess. Exactly. But it's a strong statement. Ian. Are you saying no to brand someone a tart? Are you saying? I'm not saying well, that all. Well, women- how do you qualify that? Someone that does pole dancing, um, but for pleasure. Yeah. Why else would you do it? Are you s- I think it's what you're reading into it, Ian. It's what they were reading it into, the, into it there. At that are point. you saying that no tarts pole dance? I'm saying that tarts are as likely to pole dance as anyone else. But it doesn't make you a tart to okay. pole dance. If you're a tart... <laughs> what is a tart? Could Apart you from something that should be stuck in the 70s. Could you give me a call and let me know why you pole dance? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. My goodness, that's very old-fashioned. It's I, I'm speaking sense, aren't I? Just hashtag don't get me involved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, drop me out and all. Mm, mm. You carry on there, boss. Now, Justin, mm. there's a, a, a great story on the front page of the Mail, and I thought this is right up Dealey Street. Oh yes. 
Uh, limit free tummy tucks and breast enhancements, says the health minister. Hunt, that's his name. Yes. Colon. Mm-hmm. Ban cosmetic surgery what? on the NHS. Hunt's colon. No, I'm, I'm doing the punctuation. Oh, right. I don't I, need I, to read that out. You just um, observe it. No, because it, I thought it re- initially said hunt ban cosmetic surgery. Oh, right. So that there was a hunt ban on it. Right. Because, anyway, cosmetic surgery should no longer be available on the NHS, Jeremy Hunt said yesterday. Mmm. Front page story. I've not finished. Yes, okay. The health secretary... I heard you take that intake of breath that meant you wanted... No. Breathe out. Okay. The health secretary said he understood public anger... Have you sparked one up? No. What? Never. The health secretary said this is my fake can I do my favourite favourite Vic and Bob line ever I love it it's really childish right I'm going to ask you a question Catherine the answer is no right mm-hmm. it's my favourite Vic and Bob line Catherine have you farted <laughs> I know that one go on no what well, never, never. <laughs> <laughs> it's my favourite favourite Vic and Bob line anyway Kels? what did he say you like it Kels hmm? okay what did Jeremy Hunt say comma the health secretary <laughs> The health secretary said he understood public anger at taxpayers having to fund breast enlargements, dental work, nose jobs and tummy tucks. Mm. He insisted such decisions must be basically he's saying you shouldn't get cosmetic surgery on the NHS. What do you think? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. I think he has a pretty good point. He's wrong. What? He's absolutely wrong. Tell us why, Justin. In your own unique style. All to do with self-esteem. If if you're somebody paying into the system over years, and let's just say you've got a large nose, or how can I put this, Um, you're a lady who's flat-chested, and this is something which is affecting your self-esteem, you should be entitled to that operation. I'm being serious when I say that. He's doing his he's doing his serious voice that he does when he goes to someone to talk about their house being burned down. <laughs> How can but I put this, true. ladies who are flat-chested? <laughs> what was it like when your house was burned down? How did it make you feel as a person? Well, Ian, this morning I've been out into the streets to uh, different opinions about uh, cosmetic surgery on the NHS. Here's what people had to say. The NHS money should be spent on operations that are needed, not cosmetic surgery. But what if somebody, let's just say, has got an incredibly large nose? Uh, that's not their choice. Technically, that could be termed as, as medical, couldn't it? Not at all. Unless it's impeding their breathing. Do you have sympathy for these people, though? No. You haven't got a big nose yourself, so, so you're okay. But if somebody's got a huge nose, uh, and they go to the NHS and they say, look... I've been born with this. It's affecting my self-esteem. You're honestly telling me you've got no sympathy for that person whatsoever? Not at all, no. It, it's, it's not affecting their breathing, then it's cosmetic, so they should pay for it, not the NHS. It, it's a waste of NHS money pandering to somebody's vanity. Uh, this morning, sir, we're talking about cosmetic surgery on the NHS. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? Well, I suppose if there's a psychological reason for it, if the person's suffering mentally because of whatever the thing is, uh, yes. If it's vanity, no. Difficult one to prove, though, isn't it? Because the, the, the two things you're talking about there, the psychological effects and the vanity, if we're talking about something like a, a boob job, surely those two things come into the equation anyway, don't they? Yeah, it should do, but... A doctor should have a history of it. It's not going to be, I want a boob job, okay, you can have it next Wednesday. It's going to take a long while. So surely the doctor should have a history of the patient and the doctor should be the person who can make the decision, is it a mental issue or not? There was a fella in the paper last week, Justin, Yeah. right? 
um, young gentleman who'd had a nose job so he could look more like um, John Barrowman or um, Bobby Davro or someone from yeah. One Direction. I don't remember who. There's this woman, Josie Cunningham. Yep. With the HD eyebrows. She got her boobs buffed up and then yep. she got them taken down again. It's like putting up a marquee and then letting it down after a wedding. I'm sure those two stories were twisted, but um, I think... Don't you get know, it twisted. No, genuinely, if somebody has got... I mean, come on, come on. Where's your heart? If somebody has got a huge nose, okay, that's yeah. going to be affecting their self-esteem. That's going to be affecting their life. Why Tough. shouldn't they be entitled what? to have that what? on the NHS? Hey, hey, listen, guys. Listen, deal with it. Go, in, go into therapy. Go and go and uh, fall oh, in love. come on. Listen, I've got bandy legs that have affected my life. I used to get bullied <laughs> at school because of bandy legs and the way I run. Do you know what? I'm fine with it now, man. Seriously? Yeah. Come on. Just because we can doesn't mean we should. Where's hey, your human line. touch? That's a good line, actually. Just because we can doesn't mean we should. Yeah, you're that's wrong. T- that'll be the title of the show today. Just mm. because we can doesn't mean we should. <laughs> it's good. Justin, I'm right, and I think people will agree with me. I don't think so. No, I, well, no, I just, no, that was... No, the, no, I don't think so. No, I think they will. No, and no. I'm, I'm going to cut you off. That was the uh, thing. Right. Has he got, oh, for goodness sakes. Well, feisty show this morning. So uh, why would people learn pole dancing? Is it, well, why would anyone want to pole dance? And plastic surgery on the NHS, it is time we scrapped it, isn't it? Isn't it? Morning, Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Busy show this morning. Overcrowded prisons. Should cosmetic surgery be on the NHS? And why would anyone want to pole dance? Where's the, the pleasure in pole... Jill's not very happy. Jill sent me a very angry email. Sorry? Good. Would you, what? I hope she's set you right on that use, the use of that word. What? That what? 70s word. No, hang on. What, what have I done wrong? Guys? Guys? That's Jill. Beulah! We'll find out what Jill uh, says and why she's taken offence. You want to take part in the show? Eight one triple three. No, eight. What, what do we say? Eight one three double three. Start your text three CR. That's the fella. Um, or you can give us a call. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Across beds, hearts, and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, a new report from Her Majesty's Inspectorate of Prisons has highlighted problems with overcrowding and violence among inmates at HMP Bedford. This comes as Labour describes prisons as unsafe warehouses with increasing rates of suicide, self-harm and rioting. The government has played down the crisis with the Justice Secretary Chris Grayling saying a few more prisoners will have to share cells for a few weeks. Well, Andrew Nielsen is the Director of Campaigns at the Howard League for Penal Reform. Morning, Andrew. Who's, Who's right on this? Well, I think the, the Chief Inspector of Prisons is right. We, we are looking at um, an overcrowding crisis. And to be honest, we've had one for a, for a very long time, but it's got particularly bad now because uh, Chris Grayling, the Justice Secretary, has ordered prisons which are already overcrowded to, to take even more people. Well, we have, we have different figures. The prison service number at all of our prisons is lower than the operational capacity of the prison. I don't know what that means. Yeah, the, 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 the operational capacity is, is literally how many sardines you can fit into the tin, if I can put it that way. Right. Um, but the prison service has its own measure of how many people it thinks that a prison should hold to kind of um, provide a decent service. Um, you know, the, the, the amount of people that really the prison was designed to hold rather than the, the amount of people you can actually cram in. And on, on, on that measure... Um, um, most of the prisons in the country are, are well over it now. Um, so you have um, prisons which can be, um, um, you know, 150, 175% over capacity. 
and there's an there's an interesting way i should say of of how they calculate whether a cell is out overcrowded or not with, with, with if, if three people are in a two-man cell that counts as one person being affected is that right well, that's the way the, 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 the government um, spins it. But, of course, if you've got three people in a two-man cell, then every single person yeah. feels that it's overcrowded. So there are various ways that they seem to be um, manipulating, shall we say, um, the statistics. Um, and, and I think that's disappointing because, you know, it, overcrowding is a real problem. As, as you mentioned, uh, it does it is associated with lots of the problems that um, your listeners will be aware afflict our prisons, be it um, uh, violence, um, 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 the ready supply of drugs behind bars, all these things, and, and, and even um, something serious like um, suicide, all these things are associated with overcrowded prisons. Because when you've got lots of prisoners um, in a prison and not very many staff to look after them, um, what you find is that the prisons do just warehouse people, that the priority of the prison is just to find the space for people rather than to get prisoners out of their cells and doing positive things like work or education or, or, or anything like that. I spoke to Andy Darkin earlier on, De- Deputy General Secretary of the Prison officers association he seemed to play down the, uh, the the drug problem in prisons now i have friends who have been in prison and have been drug users and and they said it was really easy to get you know class a drugs w- what is the situation like well, it does vary from prison to prison, but um, um, most prisons, it is, it is pretty easy to get, to get drugs. And, um, in fact, there was um, a, a report uh, for one, uh, the newest prison in the country, HMP Oakwood, which is near Birmingham. Um, it was, it, it's the newest prison, so you'd think that they, they would try and design this problem out in some way. But um, in that prison, it was reported to be easier to get um, drugs in a bar of soap. So it's definitely a problem. Um, and I think that um, overcrowding plays into that because... Um, the fact that you don't have um, in a, in very many staff to the number of prisoners in the prison um, makes it difficult for the staff to, con- you know, to, to, to police the problem. There will be some people listening, Andrew, who say, so what? what they're prisoners. They shouldn't have broken the law. They've, they have um, excluded themselves from society. Why should we care? Well, I mean, I, I think that um, the, the, the obvious answer to that is that one of the symptoms of overcrowding is that you, you, you do see the prisons, as I say, literally just concentrating on trying to find um, space for prisoners, which means that for the majority of the day, prisoners will lie on their bunks all day and do nothing, um, maybe watch TV. Um, and I don't think that the public, that's what the public really expects to happen when someone goes to prison. I think they expect something to be done to try and rehabilitate them, to try and make them better people when they come out uh, but overcrowding makes that very difficult for the prisons Bedford uh, is one of 40 prisoners uh, prisons sorry that's overcrowded and being asked to take in even more inmates does that sound feasible? Well, it, 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 it's, it's, it's feasible insofar as that they can always um, find some space. Um, um, but whether it's the right thing to do is the question. And as I say, I mean, you know, yes, you can say, well, this cell's got two people in it or three people in it now. Um, but, um, uh, you know, the, the effect of that will be that um, um, all these problems that we're talking about are, are more likely to, to occur. And, 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 and it does make it more difficult to manage the prison. I think ultimately um, what the government should be doing is looking at who's going to prison. There are there are people who are currently serving prison sentences who haven't committed serious or violent crimes. They're not a threat to anybody. Uh, they could be dealt with more effectively uh, with community sentences. And then that would mean that the prisons could concentrate on actually delivering effective interventions to the people who commit the serious 
serious and violent crimes that the public are most concerned about. Finally, Andrew, the Bedford report calls for more educational opportunities for inmates. I, I'm guessing that's something that you'd welcome everywhere, is it? Absolutely. I think education is a, is a major um, um, pathway out of crime, and it's something that prisons can um, offer. But um, again, if you have got an overcrowding problem and you haven't got enough staff to look after your prisoners, then what we see is the prisons tend to lock up the prisoners all day. They don't get out of their cells to, to, to do things like um, education classes. And as I say, the, 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 the outcome of that is that you have lots and lots of um, you know adult men uh, lying on their bunks all day. And how we expect that to um, stop them from reoffending when they're released, I don't know. Andrew, thank you very much. Andrew Nielsen, Director of Campaigns at the Howard League for Penal Reform. Now, there will be some of you listening, I know, hardened criminals who've been to prison. Uh, what was it like? I don't know. It's one of those things, I'd like, love to spend a couple of nights in prison, but knowing that I was... Uh, oh, no, I'd love to. Would you not? Are you not interested in it at all? I'd be terrified. I mean, you'd be in a ladies' prison. Yeah. Women's prison. I'd be in a uh, gentleman's prison. Men's prison. Mm. Uh, does it not fascinate you? Just, to, just, to, but knowing you were coming out, Kelly being young offenders. <laughs> <laughs> two, two nights in prison, mm. just to because we talk about it all the time, and I don't. I, all Could I, I do Paris Hilton style prison. Could I be in no, a room on my own? No, you can't do the, Vicky the whole Pr- time. Vicky Price prison. He's going to be a proper hardcore lockdown prison. Um, I'd love to know what it's like. I would really love to know what it's like. And I've got friends, as I said, you know, people who used drugs in prison. They said it was easier to get heroin in prison than it was outside. Well, I've heard people say that the hardest thing is to not go on drugs in prison because yeah. there's nothing to do. It's cut with with brick dust and you know particularly horrible stuff. It's not, but uh, but also if you're if you're in an overcrowded cell and you're locked up for twenty three hours a day. I, you, you can kind of see why people would be looking for some sort of uh, escape. Sounds like my weekend. <laughs> it does, does it just? Yeah. But it's also, you know, they, they're talking about the need for more education and training. If you're thinking, this is my life, this is yeah. the best it's going to get. For some people, it is the best yeah. they're ever going to get because when they come out of prison, that's when they get the real problems. But then there is the argument of, um, oh, well, you know, you shouldn't have robbed the old lady, you shouldn't yeah, have broken into the house. it's not supposed to be just a punishment, is no. it? I've seen people who've turned their lives around. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call on that. Um, uh, Should we uh, also ask him about pole dancing? Well, I'm going to... Jill has, has emailed me, and Jill has emailed um, an apology immediately after. Oh, really? She's apologising for a typo, but I'm going to I'm going to assume that what she means by that is an apology for the whole tone of her email. Well, I don't like the use of the word tart either. Well, stop, stop using it then. I'm empowering it. I've not you. Oh, for goodness I'm, I'm taking it back. What does it mean to you? What, what does it mean? Let's start. A tarty with. woman. What's a tarty woman? Well, you get tarty men as well. I'm not, it's not a sexist word. It's a word. It's, it's just a, a word that I. It's a, a general word. You're talking about a woman of loose virtue. Or a gentleman. Okay. Ian. That's me. Okay. Uh, no. Sorry. I am very disappointed by you this morning, says Jill. A tart is another name for a prostitute. Okay, that's her definition, not mine. Should I go? Shall I uh, look up the dictionary? Probably best not to. Al- probably yeah. right. Also, you said women who pole dance, I think she means pole dance, for pleasure are tarts. Not all of them. Well, not all of them, no. Um, it's a baked dish. By that definition, any woman pole dancing for exercise, which is pleasure, is a tart. Or are you afraid to say sexual gratification of the men watching? I'm not afraid to say that. That said, I don't pole dance. I believe it was not appropriate for a child at school as men objectify women at the best of times like you have today. I don't think so. And therefore, schools should avoid situations open to sexist bigotry and comments aimed at them. Shame on... Now, this is the bit I don't understand, Jill. And I accept your apology. Shame on your sexist views 
you owe, owe all women of the three counties an apology. What sexist views? I do think you owe all women of the three counties yeah, an generally. apology. Yeah, just well, that's, that's, that's a different issue, and I'm prepared to, to meet that issue head on. <laughs> if those lovely, lovely ladies want to meet me in a bar for a drink, I will apologise to them one by one. But the issue that Jill is referring to... I don't know, I don't, let me just read this again. Shame on your sexist views. There is a serious point amidst all this. Yeah. Those girls, what they were doing was skillful, was difficult, and was impressive. Well, the 12-year-olds. Yeah, unfortunately. It was inappropriate. No, no, no. That's in the eyes of the audience, because at the moment, that, it was, that is part of... No. The audience is hang up, not the girls. No, it, no, the girls, it was inappropriate for 12 year old girls to be pole dancing. I don't think it is. Right, Jill, send her an email of complaint. Did you just hear what she said? She thinks 12 year old girls should be pole dancing. I don't think that it sh- I think it should be taken away from the sex industry, pole dancing. It, because how actually, can it, it's a great form how, of how, Oh, now I'm properly angry. If you're not spinning no. around in a bikini top and a thong, how, it's not sexual. How can. Of course it's sexual. They they are gripping their legs around a phallic pole and grind, doing the bump, bump and grind to it and it's getting jiggy with a pole. You know what the pole represents. It represents that. Wow, that was a little insight into his mind, wasn't it? Are you saying the pole to which girls, and let's forget the 12-year-olds for a moment, the pole that, wi- that women are dancing around is not phallic? Is that what you're saying? You're genuinely saying that? It's a pole. It's just a pole. You are insane! It's just a piece of metal. Jill, would you like uh, uh, Catherine to apologise to what women? next? Are you going to object to them using the horse or the balance beam? Have the, a word for yourself. The horse? You don't, you don't get men going to a horse the dancing club! You don't get men I paying 20... I gymnastics horse. I know, exactly the, horse. I know exactly the kind of horse you mean. You don't get men going up to uh, women and slipping them 25 quid, or whatever it is these days, and so that they can do some acrobatics over a horse, or the parallel bars. You don't get that. You get them dancing around a pole because they are imagining it's an extension of their doodah. Wow. How can you not know that? That's obvious. Yeah, but that's the man's hang-up. That's not the woman's. For goodness sakes. 08459. Four, I'm really angry. I'm properly angry now. 08459. Four, double, five, five, double, five. Sorry, what did you say? You need to chill out. You need to chill out and listen to the travel. And breathe. Can we just put this out there, right? Because Jill's emailed back. Okay. Let me just read this. I'm, I'm so shocked by your... I, I, I agree with Catherine. The pole is a pole. It's a men who make the pole phallic. Oh. Obviously, it's phallic. It's a pole. It's a pole. Poles are phallic, not the race. You need to go and see a doctor. What do you think a maypole is? Okay, so we stop them dancing around that too now, do we? For goodness sake. The maypole, the maypole is the ultimate symbol. But it's not anymore. Of course it is. It's a maypole. You're dancing around it to create fertility. Right, you really spoil everything, don't you? That is what a maypole is. Right, okay, I see where the rest of the show is going. Is the maypole phallic or not? For goodness sake. Right. Oh, man. 08459 455 555. This is serious now, okay? The pole in pole dancing, how phallic is that? On a scale of one to ten. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Yes, Catherine, you made a joke then, but you're right. Nelson's column 
is phallic. Of course, all, it's phallic. It's, all columns were designed to show power and prowess. Yeah, of course, it's it's. They a, don't anymore. No, they don't anymore. I don't look at them and think about that. You do. I think you think about that an awful lot. Nelson's col- columns like that are phallic because they are celebrating the strength and might of one man, and boy, didn't they have a big willy. That's what they're celebrating. The Maypole is phallic. It's fertility. It's a yes. fertility dance. Yes. You're celebrating the harvest. You're celebrating spring. You're celebrating new life. You're celebrating lambs. You are, you are celebrating fertility. It is phallic. Yes. You can't deny that. I don't deny it. But I'm saying that the children dancing around it are not doing no, it for that reason. The children, of course, they, the children don't know that it's phallic. So I should didn't we stop know- that too? Is that inappropriate? But you still think it's acceptable for 12-year-old girls to dance around a, 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 a pole dance because they don't know that it's dirty. It's only a pole. Let's get them to do a striptease because they don't know it's dirty. <gasps> it's not dirty in itself. Of course it's, it's dirty. It's the way it had been sold. It's but a if we dirt- change that, it's an amazingly athletic skill. It's a dirty dance. And there are plenty of women who go, and they're fully dressed, and they remain fully dressed throughout, and they find it a really great way of exercising. Yeah, but it's... You can't, you say can't that they're take, doing something to pleasure you cannot, anyone else. You cannot take the sexuality... It's BBC Three Counties Radio, by the way, 721. You cannot take the sexuality out of a pole dance just because you want to to just because you want to say it's a good bit of fun oh, and that children well, should be allowed to do it stop women dancing all together because you know what it makes men think about yeah the bump and grind the women can dance i'm not saying women can't dance i'm not saying women can't do a pole dance they if can dance modestly if that's the kind of women that, if that's the kind of women they are then let them do a pole dance oh, what kind of women are they i've said i think you might have said too much oh wait four five nine four double five five double five Good people of the three counties, you don't often agree with me, and I forgive you for that. You know I'm right on this one, don't you? Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Here we go. One in five working parents have had to choose between paying a bill or feeding their family. The Church of England has been looking into the use of food banks in the Diocese of Oxford, which includes Buckinghamshire. Its 999 food survey suggests Christians are leading the way when it comes to feeding people in need. Here's how people living in Bletchley feel about food banks. Extremely useful. I used to work in the community and a lot of people would kind of not have any food and they'd be dependent on the food banks. I don't know much about the stigma around it, but people I know who have gone have really been appreciative of it and don't mind actually going to get the food at the food banks. I think it's a good idea to help people out and things like that. But I know there's a lot of people who do need it. Well, the shops give it away, don't they, sort of uh, help people out. shouldn't be like that now, really. This day and age, it's ridiculous. If they haven't got any money, then they get this food, then, you know, they're not going to starve, are they? Because they've been helped out. So people are struggling nowadays, a lot of people. They've helped me a few times, and they're all right. They should just carry on helping people who need the food, and not people who don't need it. Well, Alison Webster is the author of the uh, report 999 Food. Morning, Alison. Good morning. Why did the Diocese of Oxford produce this report? What, what, what were you setting out to show? Well, we noticed through, um, just anecdotally really, that lots and lots of churches were increasingly becoming involved um, in emergency food provision, let's put it that way, because there are all sorts of different models. But um, And that's not just Church of England churches, that's whole networks of churches coming together in towns and cities and villages as well, actually, sometimes. 
um, because there's a growing problem and a growing need for them. So um, there were two reasons for, for writing the report. Firstly, just to, to take a rain check on how much activity there was. And I wouldn't say that this isn't a rigorous, systematic kind of academic report or anything. It, 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 it's um, more informal than that. But then also, to the other thing we noticed, that people were feeling quite ambivalent about whether we should be doing that as church. Not Obviously, it's, it's, um, it's an imperative to feed hungry people. That's, that's what churches have always done for hundreds of years. But we're thinking, what are the structural things that are going on that are making um, food banks much, much more common? And are there other things we should be doing uh, politically and socially to, to, to highlight the issue? And well, there is a debate, do- Alison, isn't there, as to whether uh, we should have food banks there there are some people who might argue that that food banks make the problem worse because if 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 there are things there for free then people will take them exactly (laughs) i mean there are certain famous politicians who said that uh, the only reason the only reason food banks are growing is because food is free and people can have it the issue is one people uh, food banks always work with um other agencies so there's it's not just that people kind of show up one day because they feel like having some free food and they get it that that doesn't happen um so people are referred because they've either gone to the citizen advice bureau or social services or um and and they they have a referral voucher and they take it to the local food bank so it's not it's not that um people are kind of just showing up on the other hand um as i said the question for us as church was there should there should should there be food banks in as as the Bletchley man said in this day and age I think he said it's ridiculous that we need food banks you know we're the seventh most wealthy country on on in in the world um, why is it that we have such inequality that people are in food poverty so, and there's lots and lots of reasons well for I was going to say what what are the main reasons zero hour contracts <laughs> the people not um, having a living wage what is it uh, it's a mix of things we've had huge changes to social security system over the last three or four years and most recently uh, Job Centre Plus have been allowed to sanction people for for either not filling in enough job applications or not showing up for an appointment or showing up for an appointment with the Job Centre not um, making a record of that so so they just cut people's money completely for weeks and sometimes months so we've not had that I don't think before in my lifetime a situation where we've had people on benefits on low income but we haven't had the situation where people have got to have no income at all we're in a low wage economy a lot of the jobs that are being created are um not living wage their um, minimum wage and zero hour contracts which make it impossible for people to um, budget there are bigger things like the rise in food prices over the last seven years um, food prices have gone up something like 35 percent uh, and there's been huge rises as i'm sure most people know um, in fuel prices as well so you cited heating and eating um, often it's not heating or eating because uh, electricity and gas prices have also gone up a huge amount and wages and benefits <laughs> have either stayed the same or reduced or in some cases gone altogether if you've been made redundant or one wage in the house has been lost and people are trying to live on one. Uh, so there's, uh, a, there's a huge number of reasons. Are, are food banks here to stay, Alison? Oh, that's a very big question. If you look at places like Canada and the States, they've become part of the welfare system. And I think personally, and a lot of church people would say that's not a good situation. We don't, we do, we don't want a situation where um, we have massive warehouses in every town and city where um, food is kind of redistributed. We should have 
a better way. Um, we should have a, a decent safety net for people. This is this is people who are, have some kind of life event that throws them into a crisis, and food banks are the, the, the tiniest thing that can be done to help people out of that crisis. I mean, people can only go two or three, sometimes four or five times. Most people only need to go once, and then you know they get their benefits back. But then they're struggling, struggling on to survive until they're able to get a job or whatever um and during that time they find food banks helpful but it would just be great if we didn't need them Alison, thank you very much uh, for your time this morning Alison webster author of the report 999 food if you want to have your say on that you're more than welcome to of course call 08459 455 555 bbc three counties radio Lots to talk about. I've been thinking about that trail that we play, the advert we play for uh, Nick Coffer's show. Um, I can't stop thinking about that either. I can't stop. Uh, and I, th- uh, I think they've got it wrong on that trail. And I'm going to sp- speak boldly. And I've been thinking about it since the first time I heard it. They've made a big mistake in that trail. What's your favourite biscuit is actually quite a good phone-in. It's a great phone. It is a great phone-in. To the point where I'm tempted... Unless you're going to go Jaffa cake, and then that becomes a, a heated debate. Cake biscuit debate. Yeah. It's all to do with tax. I'm going to say chocolate hobnob. I'm going to say chocolate hobnob. There's something, there's something oaty, there's something chocolatey. It's great to dunk it in a cup mm-hmm. of tea. Never dunk in a cough. The cough is too strong. It overpowers the biscuit. Chocolate Or, 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 if we had to go basic, custard cream. There's nothing wrong with the custard cream. Nothing wrong with the custard cream. Have you seen those giant custard creams you can get in Costas? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I like holding them and pretending that I'm really small. You are. But even smaller. What's your favourite biscuit, Kath? I see this oh, I don't know I'm torn it depends on the day yeah depends on the day okay today it's today it's not a party if there's no party ring oh a party ring is yeah. very I could always but you can keep you can keep your pink wafer that's strictly for grand visits no pink wafer good party ring that's the, the solid one with the hole in the middle yeah, with the icing yeah. on top decorative. too hard decorative you can't have a biscuit that's too hard is it over elaborate for your taste I mean, it's just too hard it's just it's, it's like a coaster I'm not going to eat a coaster I like it um, but you know on an average day my go-to biscuit would be a uh, chocolate digestive. Nothing wrong with that. Kels, uh, can I just say, a plain digestive, a little bit of butter, bit of cheddar cheese on the oh, top. Oh, yeah. yeah. Kels? I could always go for a jammy dodger. I've just, oh, noticed, jammy dodger. I've just noticed something. Your elbows are supporting complete nuclear disarmament. I love them. Um, jammy dodger. She's got the CND logo on her elbows. How bizarre. I've got the peace sign on my elbows. Uh, a jammy dodger. <laughs> mind you, you, you can't get more jammy than a jammy dodger. Or a jammy badger. Hmm? Nope. a little name for it in my house. Oh, that's just ridiculous. So, this morning we're asking what's your favourite biscuit. Um, and then we're playing some Gallagher in Light. No, hang on, we're just asking what's your favourite biscuit. Uh, we're also talking about pole dancing. How can, any, how can anyone not think that pole dancing is sexual and the pole is phallic? Apologies if you're having to explain certain words to young people today. We're trying to keep the discussion adult. Okay, well, uh, why don't we rephrase it? Pole, pole dancing. Not for kids. You think kids should be pole dancing, though? I, don't, I, I think there's nothing there are two sexual about pole dancing. Oh, it's other people's perception. There are three issues here. Go on. There are three issues that you've got that are wrong. You think kids should be pole dancing? No. No. You think it's okay for kids to I pole dance? I don't think there's anything wrong with anyone pole dancing. Okay. You don't think the pole is phallic? No. And you don't think pole dancing is sexual? Not necessarily. Your Honour, I rest my case. 
it goes to the it goes to the jury. The jury go away. They come back within five minutes. Have you made a decision? Yes, we have, Your you, Honour. You don't have to be wearing a bra and a thong. She's Just guilty. Saying. She's gu- you, you, she's guilty, and uh, she's dragged away to uh, the cells. Catherine is still saying you don't have to be wearing a bra and a thong. You don't. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. You may want to. That's your business. I am. Leslie and Watford says, unfortunately, we have to allow the more degenerate minds in our society. Ian is right. <laughs> there you go. Degenerate mind. No, full stop. Ian is right. Full stop. My mum lived near a big playing field, and every time the senior schoolgirls were playing uh, hockey, etc., there were the dirty Mac Brigade ogling and leering. Stop Og- playing hockey, then. Is that the answer? There are men out there who find gratification in the most innocent of things. Stu says, I agree with Ian. Defo inappropriate. Only pole that kids should be dancing around is the Maypole. Well, you need to take issue with that because you have a problem with that too, don't you? No, but they're not wrapping their groins around the Maypole, hanging upside down. Yeah? Thank you. They're holding a pretty coloured ribbon and crisscrossing into an intricate pattern. You've just gone completely back on your own argument. No, I haven't. You said the maypole was phallic. The maypole is phallic, yeah. It's phallic. But that's okay. It's all right for No, because they're not doing doing a a sexy dance around the maypole. It doesn't need to be a sexy dance. Safety dance? Oh eight four five nine four double five five. It is a serious issue, and we're giggling because we're children. That's why. But it's a serious point. Would love to hear your views on it, particularly if they support my views. We're also talking. If you're a woman who goes pole dancing for exercise and not to um, get fibres put in the um, top of your pants, then call me now. Call me now. Call me now because even those women will admit that yeah, they do it for exercise. They keep fit and also it's a little bit of sexy fun. They will say that. What, a load of sweaty women in a room? Yeah, they'll say it's a bit of sexy fun. Honestly, you are so naive. I'm going to open your eyes. You need some more um, well, maybe smelling maybe I'm just trying to reclaim various forms of You're trying to reclaim the pole. The sisters. You're trying to reclaim the pole Let's dance. Let's reclaim the pole. Let's reclaim the pole. You are trying to reclaim the pole dance. Do you know ballet... Can can all those things started out. Oh, the can can is a sexy dance. But so was ballet at one point. Ballet's they wear not drawers. sexy. They didn't wear drawers. Well, yeah, but they wear drawers now. Exactly. It doesn't so matter historically. It as an art form. The can can. They're still showing their knickers. They didn't have any knickers on back in the day. Did they not? No. So is that why? Is that the can? That's exactly it. I did not know that. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. On the subject of food banks, it's Irene in Milton Keynes. Morning, Irene. Morning, Ian. It's getting a bit feisty here this morning. Oh, are you? Yeah, what would you You're like to say? You're being naughty, naughty. No, I'm not being... Irene, have you ever been pole dancing? No, I haven't. I don't want to, thank you. Why don't you want to go for a nice pole dance? It's just a bit of exercise. Oh, I'd, I'd love... <laughs> I'd look fun. I'd send the pole down. Oh, re- oh really? Are you a big girl? <laughs> no, not no. that big, no, but okay. even so. Those poles are very, very strong. What you do is you wrap your groin around a pole... And I know you... what they do. Yeah. Yeah, it's sexy. I mean, it's, I don't it, think I'd want to lower myself. Thank you. I don't come from that type of um, culture. Thank you, uh, Irene. Thank you very much. You've said you've said uh, more in that sentence than I've done all morning. Thank you so much. You've called in about food banks, though, haven't you? Yeah. Um, what I was saying, I, I just heard the lady about food banks. What I wanted to say is Milton Keynes, as you come from three counties, um, are, the people here are very, very lucky because my son, my younger son, is in London and unemployed. Yeah. Lives in a church house. Oh, yeah. and goes for all his interviews. He's only been unemployed for the, just over, over a year now. Um, 
and there's six people in the church house. Two people come, unfortunately, um, from other lands. Um, they, he was recommended by his local church that he does some voluntary work yes. with um, to go and apply for uh, some food, yeah. food bank, because a lot of the money and where he goes for his interviews takes the fares and they don't pay. Oh. Especially if it's um, the other side of MEM 25, which is this area. Yeah. And um, they refused him because they said they can only give it to two people in that house. Oh. And so he didn't get any. And, that must um, be very he's disappointing. Because yeah. he's got my granddaughter. Oh, dear. Who do, he doesn't live with his partner because there's not room. Oh. And he's struggling. What so a terrible situation. Are food banks down here. I'm very lucky. Yeah. Because London is not as free as easy. So you're, you're, because some people, Irene, think that, that food banks make the problem worse. That there are, that people who go and use them are a load of chances just well, trying to get something yeah, for nothing. I mean, he, he will, it, when he's got the money, but the, the money, um, you know, it, I mean, there's a lot of people that uh, get food banks that are unemployed, and I know, and he knows, that they don't really try very hard for work. And I know the situation's difficult. He's older. He's not in the bracket of the 20s, 25. Mm. He's 49. Mm. And so he, uh, he's even been told he's too old. Oh, blimey, uh, Irene. Love, too old at 49. Well, there's Irene. Thank you very much. I've offended Clive as well now. Go on. Clive says, Ian, I found your rant about not understanding blind people was very offensive this morning around 6.40. Oh. There are different stages of blind... He's, he's misunderstood, and I'll, I'm happy to clarify, Clive, and if I've offended you, I apologise. I will apologise on this, because that was not my intent. I think you've misunderstood. I'll read the whole email, then I'll, I'll, I will clarify. There are different stages of blindness, and if you ever have the misfortune to lose even slightly your sight, maybe you'd be more feeling towards these people. My daughter is dating a lad who has only around 10% sight and he's gone through university and holds down a very responsible... In London, I guess he means job. He refuses to let his disability hold him back. So before you start ranting about things, maybe take some time to read up on the topic. Bear that sentence in mind, Clive. Although this may be difficult for you as you seem to enjoy winding people up each morning, sometimes it's funny, other times you're downright insulting, says Clive. Before you start ranting about things, maybe take some time to read up on the topic. If I offended anyone about the blindness thing, I apologise. Uh, what, what I was clumsily trying to say, Clive, and if you've been listening, maybe you'd have picked it up, this is what I was trying to say, is the definitions of blindness have changed. When I was a kid, you were blind or you, uh, you had bad eyes. There was Blind meant you couldn't see anything. Nowadays, blind if someone is blind, and I still assume it means you can't see anything, and that's my ham-fisted uh, old-fashioned thoughts, if you are blind, it more than likely means your uh, vision is impaired somewhat. That's what I was trying to say. If I didn't express that well enough, Clive, then you have my sincerest apologies. I'm not going to make fun of blind people, am I? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. If you want to send me a direct email complaining about the show, happy to address it. Ian at BBC Clive, I hope that has uh, put your mind at uh, at rest. Shall we remove the lid off this pressure cooker just for a moment? Yeah, go talk on. about our favourite biscuits. Malted milk says Stuart from Nebworth. Seriously underrated. He's got a point. They're very Moorish. We've had a few more in there. Cow yeah. biscuits, we call those ones. Yeah. I know it's middle class, but my favourite biscuit is a lemon puff. Says Phil. Middle uh, class and proud. Never liked the lemon puff. Very dry. Yeah, never liked Very the lemon dry. puff. Morning, you naughty people. Oh. I love ginger nuts and fig rolls. <gasps> Yum, says Brenda. Oh, I love a fig roll. <laughs> ginger nut? I love a fig roll. Would you class those as a biscuit? Mm, yeah. I like a nice fig roll. When I was pregnant, I was uh, eating ginger nuts like there was no tomorrow because it staved off the sickness. 
true fact. If you're feeling a bit queasy, ginger nuts. What, are you doing it again? I'm not doing anything. I'm just imagining you chowing down with a couple of ginger nuts. Okay, okay. To stave off sickness. Do you see see now what I deal with on a regular basis? My granddad's chin used to look like ginger nuts. Really? Yeah, yeah, I know. I remember as a kid, it was all like knobbly. Yeah, it was cracked. I remember as a kid having a ginger nut in my hand and and seeing his chin. I don't know. And seeing his chin and going, just thinking... Oh, Granddad Bill's chin looks like a ginger nut. I'm just making that connection. Uh, what's your favourite biscuit? Uh, it's being that that topic is being dissed in the current trail for the Nick Coffer twelve till what time? Twelve till three. Mm-hmm. The current Nick Coffer trail, uh, and um, I, 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 shame on you, Nick, and shame on the uh, marketing department that have come up with that trail because it's a cracking topic. Nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with it. Maybe a little bit tasteless to be talking about it while we're talking about food banks and starving people. I don't know. Maybe we are rubbing their noses in it. Uh, Tony, on the subject of food bank, say, bank banks, gosh, <laughs> Phew. says food banks are for the needy, not the greedy. Too many greedy people are using the food banks as a supplement, uh, as a supplement, income supplement. Some of those that visit food banks have all the latest gadgets, Sky TV, mobile phones, electronic games, all the white goods in the kitchen, fags. They want it all. Some do not know what it's like to go without or give something up for food. As a kid, when my dad was working three days a week, we had very little. We had to make do. 08459 455 555. Little recap on what we're talking about. We're talking about prisons. They're overcrowded. Do you care? Are you bothered? We're also um, talking about the front page of. Uh, is it the mail? I think it's the mail, isn't it? Yes. Uh, the, the health secretary is uh, suggesting that maybe cosmetic surgery shouldn't be done on the NHS. Tummy tucks, boob. Um, what do they call them? Boob lifts? Boob. What do they call? What do they call them? What do they call them? I don't know what they call them. I've got them in my bag. Jobs. <laughs> That's. If we're going to use that kind of thing. <laughs> Facelifts is what I was thinking of. <laughs> Should you have plastic surgery? They don't even call it plastic surgery anymore. That's how I get someone complaining that I use the term plastic. Mm-hmm. It's not actually plastic anymore. Uh, cosmetic surgery on... Is he, is he clumping reconstructive surgery in with all this? Because I would have thought it's really difficult to get something like that unless for some reason you need rebuilding. I haven't sent a message by Paul Scoines. Oh, I can't Paul Scoines. Um, oh eight four five nine four. I imagine if you're, you've been disfigured in a fire, yeah, that there should be no question. You'd about still that. get that. I think it means if, if you want a nose job, because your nose is a bit wonky. Well, or the um, example that um, Justin Dealey was alluding to earlier, on, where you have low self-esteem. You know, you're not going to die of low self-esteem, are you? <laughs> you're in such a weird mood today. You're, what do you mean? Uh, I'm not the one tittering about nothing. <laughs> Is this is this robot Kath? Have you been replaced by an evil, uh, non-feeling robot? What? And uh, should kids be allowed to pole dance? Catherine thinks they should. It's just a pole. Oh, it, it's not just a pole. It it's represents. It represents so much more. Some of that street dancing is a bit rude. If you're going to think of it that way. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. It's a story that's in quite a few of the papers today. Uh, parents walked out uh, of uh, a school fate. Outrage, the son has it. Outrages, girls 12, pole dance at fate. Uh, and there is a picture of someone. We have to assume it's, um, it's a 12-year-old girl. It, it, it doesn't specify otherwise. It says shocking, girl swings on pole at fate. It's, it's kids doing pole dancing. Is it ever acceptable? 
for kids to pole dance. I'm not convinced it is. Catherine disagrees. 08459 Well, um, we, we listening to the show is uh, Peter from Kidscape, and Peter's called in. Good morning, Peter. Good morning, Ian. I'm just driving to a school in your county. Oh, there you go. Fantastic. Well, it's nice to get a spontaneous phone call from you. Well, what would you like to say on this? Well, we've been speaking about this for a while. There's a huge difference between pole dancing and pole exercise. Right. And I think the industry really need to get themselves sorted out on this one. The story that you're talking about is where we've got a primary school, and at the summer fete, we had a pole dancing uh, club come along and do pole dancing. Now, it is inappropriate. We're talking about children as young as four um, dancing to inappropriate music, and by that I'm talking about adult music. We're looking at inappropriate moves, so we're not talking about aerobics or gymnastics, we're talking about inappropriate moves, and I think you probably know what I mean by that. And we're also about talking about inappropriate clothing. Paul exercise is about using gym clothing, it's not about wearing clothing as if you're about to go to a nightclub at the age of six. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about the pole exercise in a second. The, the music they were dancing to, there's two different types here, according to this story. One was Bonnie Tyler's Holding Out for a Hero. Mm-hmm. The other was songs from The Lion King. Does the, does, the, does the fact it was Disney songs, does that make a difference? It does make a difference, because we're looking at absolutely extremes here when we're seeing what's happening across the country. So they've, they've got to get the act in order. They can't have it both ways, I'm afraid. But without doubt, when you're looking at pole dancing and you're looking at the younger children, you're talking about the sexualisation of children. And the kids, and don't, the kids don't know that they're being sexual. It's, it's, I'm not in any way blaming the kids. It, it, it's not their fault, is it? No, of course it's not. A primary school child will copy what they see on television, will copy what the instructor shows them what to do. This is about adults having to take responsibility for safeguarding the children. It says here, I mean, the, the, if, this, if this story in The Sun is right, it says here that the, the 12-year-old girls were dressed in shiny hot pants and crop tops, which, which is obviously completely inappropriate. How would you differentiate, then, pole dancing and what, what, what did you call it, pole exercise? Believe me, I've getting myself into a lot of hot water over this one. Yeah, just telling the <laughs> so, missus, I'm just off to see some pole <laughs> exercise. You're doing what, Peter? <laughs> so um, I'm, I'm beginning to get an understanding of this. If it's right. about pole exercise, we're talking about in an appropriate gymnasium or appropriate hall. We're looking at instructors. We're looking at the right ethos and the right controls within the club. So if a parent is looking at using poles for exercise for their children, they need to look very, very carefully at this. I must point out that there's many cultures around the world, Chinese, Thais, other cultures for hundreds of years have used poles for exercise. However, in this country, as you're seeing, and you're correct, it is sexualized. And, and, and well, I've got to move on in seconds. We've got a guest coming up, uh, uh, Peter. I really appreciate your call. But, uh, th- the problem I would have with pole exercise is surely there still is an element of sexuality around it. The pole is, I would imagine, is a phallic symbol. And you're going to be holding on, you know, with your downstairs department. There's still going to be an element of sexuality about it, isn't there? The pole exercise that I've seen is where the pole is literally uh, a prop to use to do some very, very vigorous movements. Um, as compared to some of the poles which are more sleek, more shiny. Okay. Um, and again, I think you get the idea. Peter, what are you up to today with Kidscape then? What's, what's the plan? Uh, I'm coming over to one of your local schools. It's one of your primary schools and we're looking at some anti-bullying work. Excellent stuff, Peter. Nice. Thank you very much for the call. We'll, we'll speak again at some point in the future, no doubt. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. I thought he made some excellent points. You, 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 Catherine, you thought he made some excellent points. Yeah, I also thought he made some excellent points about pole exercise. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. And aren't and, we? And just think, you know, 
30 years ago, the sort yeah. of dancing that is mainstream now, yeah. I mean, some of the dancing that's mainstream now should be... Uh, oh, pop in videos a, are outrageous. In a special club. But uh, some of the dancing yeah. that children do now would be deemed... Bogling. Would be deemed... Twerking. Inappropriate. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'm not I talking agree. about the twerking in the stuff, but no, you know, some of the I street agree. dance moves are quite groin-led. I agree, I agree. And I think he's... So intru- things need to change. He's introduced an interesting concept of pole exercise. Yeah. That's what I understood these children were doing. They were not. They're not bumping and grinding. They're wearing hot... Listen, I'm going to go to Rick. We'll talk about this after. Oh. <laughs> Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. The reason we're cutting that uh, uh, exciting conversation short is because a man from Bedfordshire can't get his two sons a British passport, despite them both being born in this country. Rick Waller's sons were born at Bedford Hospital in two thousand and one. Walker, sorry, I do apologise. Sir Rick Walker's sons were born at Bedford Hospital in two thousand and one and two thousand and four before a change in the law, which would allow them automatic citizenship. Rick, sorry for getting your name wrong. Well, explain the situation. Why can't your your boys get British passports? Yes, good morning. Not only is uh, the passport office being awfully slow in processing applications at the moment, it's also discriminating against children born between 2000 and 2006 to unmarried British fathers such as myself. Uh, It seems we fall foul of the uh, 2000 immigration rules, which state that my children have to apply for citizenship uh, and passports through the mother. And they're stating that the mother does not have indefinite leave to remain in the UK, although she has a French passport. Right, so, so you're, you're British, your boys were born in Britain, but your, um, your partner, the mother of the, your, your children, is French. Correct. I still don't see why that's a problem. That seems crazy to me. Uh, it's a, it's this, uh, pretty unbelievable situation. You know, uh, the EU is one thing. She has uh, indefinite right to, to stay and work and live in the UK. But according to the passport office, you have to have this uh, letter from the Home Office saying that uh, she's allowed to remain here indefinitely. And of course, they don't stamp your passport as a European citizen mm. when you come into this country. And they don't uh, tell you you need this letter. To apply for this letter, you, you can't get it retrospectively. And it costs one £1,082 to apply for such a status. Gosh. It's ridiculous. And you must be frustrated because I understand the law has changed since you've had your boys. Exactly. Since 2006, the Home Office changed the immigration regulations to cover uh, people in my situation and it says, you know, you can now uh, register your children as British citizens, but again, to apply to do that, it's going to cost me £669 per child. I I don't have a spare £1,300 at the moment to do this. If my children were born in 2007 or, or later it would be no problem they automatically get british passports so uh, uh, are they they're stuck in this country then i'm guessing you, you've not been able to go abroad with them exactly we want to you know they want to see their, their grandparents this summer we applied for passports back in february of this year and it's taken until now to be rejected and you know we've got no chance of getting a british passport before summertime really we've already missed the half term we tried to go away at half term couldn't do that and now it's looking very doubtful for the summer as well my uh, Youngest son doesn't have a passport. We can't travel. You you could just get married, couldn't you, Rick? Would that solve the problem? Well, we asked about that. My partner specifically asked the passport office. So what happens if we get married? They said no. You have to be married at the time the children were born. And then again, I oh. got in contact with uh, the uh, complicated cases person at the passport office and asked him that very same question he put me on hold for a while came back and said i can't comment so presumably oh. possibly that is an option and i've also seen on the bbc news website uh, history that there's been similar people in a similar situation who have got married to get a passport so it seems it is a possibility but i know if i do it i'll be the unlucky one well, well the, the unlucky but you, you'd have a wonderful wife rick let's let's not like <laughs> so, you know, uh, it sounds like the passport office haven't been particularly helpful 
Not at all. In fact, uh, yesterday I just received it. I wrote to my uh, MP and they passed it on to the head of the passport office. And uh, in fact, they came back to me just yesterday and said, since April 2009, our procedure for dealing with inquiries of this nature has changed. You now have three options. Number one, you may test the strength of your child's claim to British nationality by submitting an application for a UK passport. Well, I think I've just done that and failed miserably. The second option is I can apply for a nationality status certificate using form NS. I guess that means nonsense or something like that. And there's a fee for that, of course. And thirdly, it says I can seek professional advice from a, a professional legal advisor in private practice. So not very helpful at all, I'm afraid. Rick, listen, I, I wish you the very best of luck. It sounds very frustrating. And, um, you know, let, let's hope those boys uh, can get uh, to France and see their grandparents very soon. <laughs> oh, wow! Thanks so much. Thank you so much indeed. Uh, Lots coming up. Should children be allowed to pole dance? And should cosmetic surgery be given out free on the NHS? We'll find out after the news with Simon. BBC Three Counties Radio. I was just Googling the uh, Revolutions Pole Company. There's the company that were responsible for this uh, pole dancing in the school. They say they've done nothing wrong. What do you think? I mean, we are establishing there is a difference between pole dancing and pole exercise. I would argue, I would argue, there is still an element of sexuality in pole exercise. Isn't there? The pole is phallic. I got this completely wrong. Is, has, heavens to mercy, has Catherine got this right? I'm starting to come a little way round to her line of thinking, but only a little. We're also talking about overcrowding in prisons and the front page of the Daily Mail. Ban cosmetic surgery on the NHS. Cosmetic surgery should no longer be available on the NHS, Jeremy Hunt said yesterday. What do you think? Boob jobs, nose jobs, facelifts on the NHS? Tummy tucks? What do you reckon? Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. Send me a text 81333. Start your text 3CR. Or you can give me a call 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. When it's, um, when it comes to cosmetic surgery and boob jobs in particular, that seems to be the thing that most people get upset about. Yeah, if it's reconstructive surgery, then yeah. I, I, I don't think anybody would argue, would you? you know, if you've had a mastectomy or something and you want to uh, replace uh, your missing breasts, and I don't think anybody could argue with that being done on the NHS, could they? Maybe you could, I don't know, give me a call. But, um... Just because you want to, you know, get bigger bigger boobs, should that be paid for on the NHS? And there is the argument, isn't there, Catherine? It's self-esteem. And I know that uh, um, our phys- lots of people uh, get suicidal sometimes because of their physical appearance. But, but we've also heard of people playing the system, and if you use the words, it's affecting my self-esteem, yeah. you get all kinds of operations that perhaps you should be paying for yourself. And also... I don't know if I necessarily... I've not thought this through completely, but I'm going to say it. There are other ways of dealing with low self-esteem. There is counselling. There is work you can do. There are, there are all kinds of things you can do um, for low self-esteem that would I, I would probably uh, probably be cheaper than getting a boob job or a nose job or something like that. And when you consider it's not, it's not a, an ongoing pot of money, that money has to go between people who are dealing with situations that they can do nothing about... 
I, I, I do. And, and, and tummy tucks, when you've lost loads of weight... Uh, and then you've got, you got an overhanging tummy. Should, we pay, should that be paid for? But the argument there is that you're doing what the NHS want you to do by losing weight in the first place. What do you do? Stay large? Um, uh, would you like uh, fries with that? 08459 455 555 is the telephone number to give us a call on that. We've got lots of texts on the passport story we did, lots of Facebook comments on the pole dancing. We will get to those very shortly, I promise. But before that, a campaign uh, group says it's warning jails across the three counties of hundreds more prisoners than they can safely hold. It comes after a report raised concerns about overcrowding at Bedford Prison, which is now being asked to take in even more inmates. Labour has described prisons... uh, have described prisons as unsafe workhouses with increasing rates of suicide, self-harm and rioting. But the government has played down the crisis. The Justice Secretary, Chris Grayling, says a few more prisoners will have to share cells for a few weeks. Well, our reporter, Justin Dealey, has been speaking to Luke, a former inmate of Bedford Prison, about his experience of being inside. The prison's very dirty. I mean, the first thing that comes to the mind is it is, it is really, really filthy dirty. Um, there's cockroaches in your cell. Honestly, I cannot, honestly, I cannot tell you how much... <laughs> how bad it is the cockroaches in the cell they're at least this big I mean at least an inch and a half two, two inches big um, people come in and people go and because there's a hold in prison it's not actually uh, an actual sentence in prison so when you get sentenced you stay there it's, it's actually a remand prison um, so no one really cares and no one really looks after anything. I mean, just to go back to the overcrowding, that, that's been highlighted in this particular report. I mean, just how bad was that? How many people were in your cell? What was there noticeably too many people inside that prison? Right, there's there's a handful of cells that have got one person in it, um, and I mean a handful. Uh, the rest have got two, and sometimes there's obviously four-man dorms, which is obviously four people, four four adults in one cell. You know what, you know what the problem is with overcrowding? Is the room that you have anyway to work with really and truthfully that the whole system of prisons flawed from start to finish for the fact that there's not adequate room for anyone in any prison because you're in six foot by four foot or six foot by six foot depending on how the cell's situated in terms of what shape it is and whereabouts on the wing you are you're all in a confined space you know the real truth about prisons is <laughs> and i'll tell you the, the prison system itself and the people that work for the prison system are told and I guarantee you for a fact because I've seen it with my own eyes have told to turn a blind eye to a lot of stuff including s- small amounts of violence drugs that are being handed around because I personally don't do none and I know loads of people say that but I really don't mm. and you've <laughs> um, seen all this you've seen drugs yeah, you've seen violence you've seen it all inside Bedford yeah, Prison and, and, and yeah without a doubt and not only that it's they're, they're, t- they're told to turn a blind eye for the fact that if a certain amount the drugs don't come through the system you imagine how many upset people are on wings and how much more violence would be around I'm sure the prison would deny that but of course everyone's entitled <laughs> to their own let, opinion let them deny it yeah. okay, <laughs> the, the um, boys that there that know that I'm telling the truth So and there's some good lads in there that don't deserve to be there and there's some, some people that obviously do deserve to be there Bedford Prison in your experience <laughs> with the Abercrowder you mentioned the drug problems that you've seen there is Bedford just a, a ticking time bomb is there going to be severe trouble riots there in the near future unless something is done with that prison and quickly it does get mentioned but but a ticking time bomb uh, you know any prison's really a ticking time bomb to be fair but the focus point to remember is that you are there to be punished that's really ultimately what you're there to do and of course if it's if it's like a holiday camp you're you're not going to really be deterred in the future from doing anything else 
but they could definitely make the prisons bigger they could definitely clean them up they could paint them more they could spend more money in the right areas instead of giving it to other things in the world that don't need the money because isn't it better to to take a, a, a crime or a criminal and turn their life around and put them on a productive path that they're going to go on to do better things than to, to just keep chucking them back in prison. Well, we did ask for an interview with the Governor of Bedford Prison to respond to what to what Luke said. Our request was declined by the Ministry of Justice. We also asked to speak to a minister, but again, we were told no. Now joined by the Labour MP, John McDonnell, a member of the Justice Select Committee, who's expressed concerns about overcrowding in jails. Good morning to you, John. Morning. John, what's your, your take on what you've just heard? There's your cells, cockroaches, allegations of, of prison staff turning a blind eye to drug taking? It's not untypical. I think Luke's got an accurate reflection with regard to the state of our prisons. With regard to drug taking, I'm not sure if it's so much a turning a blind eye as whether it's the staff are capable of managing the system when you've got such overcrowding on this scale. I was looking at the Bedford report, and just on the crude numbers, um, the numbers held in Bedford at a moment are 495. The certified normal accommodation, so what it should accommodate, is 322. So you're talking about a sizable amount of overcrowding. As Lucas said, what does that mean? It means that people who are in prison, in Bedford in particular, will be locked up for long periods of the day. They won't be doing productive work. It looks as though in Bedford, looking at the education facilities, the prisoners themselves are demanding education opportunities, and that seems to be working well for those prisoners that undertake it, but there isn't sufficient opportunities to do it because they're locked up in their cells. The government has denied, John, that there is a crisis. Well, I don't accept that, I'm afraid. I can't accept that because... Bedford, this report on Bedford is not on its own. The, Her Majesty's Inspector of Prisons, who made this report, came before the Justice Select Committee a few weeks ago and said this about the prisons of state overall. The overcrowding problem now is at crisis levels, which means, yes, prisoners may well get published, but the point that Luke made very constructively is that the whole point is punishment, but at the same time rehabilitation. If you're locked in a cell for most of the day, you're not allowed to do productive work, you're not allowed to, to do... Um, the, the counselling courses, etc., the educational courses that will assist you in rehabilitation, assist you in getting a job when you get out. The prison service, therefore, is not working. And this isn't just coming from the Majesty's Inspector of Prisons. Talk to the Prison Officers Association. I urged the Secretary of State the other day in Parliament to meet with the Prison Officers Association. These are people working on the front line, and they're saying time and time again, we cannot do our job because of overcrowding. So what needs to be done, John? Is it, is it a simple case of building more prisons? No, no I think, I think we've, we've been going on about this for a number of years now. It needs a proper approach to who we imprison. First of all, we now know on all the surveys, all the research that's been done, considerable number of people in prison at the moment have got mental health conditions. I'm not sure whether they should be in prison establishments because it's not helping them. It's most probably making them get worse. We should be looking at who we're putting in prison and whether the right people are going into prison and why others shouldn't be in mental health establishments or became mental health support within the community itself. The second issue is, as Lucas said, there's a real issue about drugs. People going into prison who are drug dependent who actually, again, rather than being in prison, should be in a specialist service to take them off drugs. If we can do that, we reduce our prison population. We then use the prisons that we've got to properly invest in rehabilitation as well as just punishment. 
if this situation carries on, John, what do you think it could lead to? Well, uh, look at the, look at the last report we had on Oakwood Prison. Well, the, uh, the inspector did the same report as he did on Bedford, and he said, look, you, in Oakwood Prison, the situation has got so bad with regard to overcrowding, and this is a privatised prison, and there was criticism of the privatisation as well. He said it's easier to get a bar, easier to get drugs in Oakwood than it is a, a bar of soap. That's how bad it's got. And you see time and time again the increased levels of violence and assaults, prisoner on prisoner, but also prisoner on staff as well. That's why we've been trying to say to the Secretary of State that there needs to be, first of all, the government needs to think again about the numbers that are going inside a prison, the alternatives that there are, particularly with regard to mental health treatment and drugs. But in addition to that, he needs to start listening to the professionals. The Secretary of State, the other day when I asked him, would he meet with the prison officers, dismissed it. Prison Officers Association, and time and time again now, are saying, we need a minister that will listen to those on the front line. John, you've given us a lot to think about. I really appreciate uh, your time and your thoughts this morning. Labour MP John McDonnell, if you want to have your say on that, please do. 08459 455555. Life. <laughs> JVS. <laughs> Hello. Are you topping morning. up your tan? No. You and Dealey, you and who've both been away. Hmm, suspicious. Uh, you're both coming in darker each day. Really? Yeah, you're both coming in a little bit I darker. Uh, you're right. I think it's washing off mm. with every passing day. Although I did... I did sit on my luxury terrace yesterday. Oh, did you? Just trying to get a few rays. Yeah, just topping it up a little bit. Is it still a bit miserable today? It was was raining when I was coming in. Oh, no, it's not raining now. Is it nice? No, I've got a good feeling about today. Really? Yes. Mm. I don't know quite why, but... I think it might brighten up. Oh, I look for. I, uh, let's keep our fingers crossed. Perhaps I could do a weather feature at this time every day, just what I feel in my water. Um, okay, well, what's your water saying? I think it might brighten up. If you had to, right, if you really had to, there's no other option. Could you drink your own water? No, I could not. That's really? absolutely disgusting. What a question to ask me at quarter past well, eight I'm in the just, morning. I'm just, it's one I've often thought about. I could do it if I had to. No. You haven't had a drink for, like... Eight days and you're really thirsty. And well, then it would be even worse. Yeah, you wouldn't. You wouldn't go for that, <laughs> Catherine. Could you drink your own water if you had to? I can't imagine a scenario where that would be the do do or die. All right, if it was do or die. I'd do. Yeah, she do. You die. Ah, can I drink your water if you're not having it? <laughs> <laughs> Let me just do this. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. And back in the room, what's on your show this morning? Right, coming up on this morning's yes. big phone-in from nine, would it be a good idea to keep children at school until 6pm? Oh, OK. The Conservative Minister for Education and Child Care, Liz Truss, says schools should be open from eight in the morning until 6pm. She wants schools to provide after-hours activities for children, as well as providing nursery care for two-year-olds. The government has no plan to deliver this policy. Instead... Miss Truss wants parents to demand their children's school keeps the doors open even longer. Yeah, because schools aren't under enough uh, pressure and strain at the moment, so that's good, OK. She told working mums yesterday it would be great for children to do their homework at school so that when they come home, it's just quality time with their mum and dad. 
Well, from nine this morning, I want your views on this. Would it be a good idea to keep children at school until 6pm? 08459 I mean, I guess the the reality of this is, and reading re- reading through the lines in the story, you know there's this, there's this line today about white working class kids not doing so well at school. Yes. So seemingly there's this idea that lots of children are going to school nine until half three or whatever the hours are these days. I can't keep up. So they come home at half past three and... It's okay for all the middle class parents who kind of come home and mummy sits them down and says, right, time to get on with your homework or we're going to go off fact-finding in the hills. But for many working class children, they're coming home at half past three and then they're either getting into trouble or they're doing absolutely nothing. They're not doing their homework. They're not getting the support from their parents. And actually, many of those children are being failed by the school system. So if at half past three, school kind of switched into like an after-school club, where there were things to do, places you can go to quietly do your homework, um, events, cadets, that kind of stuff. Cadets. Then that would that's seriously been suggested. Cadets. Cadets. Okay. Then that would help children uh, right across the spectrum, right across the class spectrum, so that everyone would stand an equal chance of succeeding at school. Is it a good idea, though? That's the question. I'm, the reason I'm, I'm being silent is because I am a middle-class family and we go fact-finding in the hills and I also work ridiculous hours so that I'm home to, you know, to see the kids and my wife is home most of the time to see the kids, so we're very, very blessed in that way. I'm trying to put myself in but a if position you, of people less fortunate. If you knew your children were at school but yeah. were doing something that was ultimately going to enrich them yeah. and enrich their education and they'd be able to have a quiet place to go and do their homework and they'd be able to go and use the library and all those things and ultimately there was a chance they may come out of their school time yeah. better educated wouldn't you be happy about that actually they're quite annoying as well plus you get rid of them for yeah. a few more hours yeah no i'm up for it i'm in yeah i'm gonna put pressure on my school to do that do you agree with ian from nine this morning would it be a good idea to keep children in school until 6 p.m oh eight four five nine four double five five double five on fm am online and digital radio this is ian lee on bbc three counties radio Uh, should there be uh, cosmetic surgery on the NHS? There are calls to uh, for it not to be done. Linda's on the M1. Morning, Linda. Morning. What would you like to say? I would like to say that if a morbidly obese person yep. has overcome their um, psychological problem, and it is, you have to feel it to understand that there is... I put it like drugs. If you are a secret overeater, then it's like chasing heroin or coke. And people may may laugh at that, but that is absolutely the truth. If you have managed to overcome by yourself without any financial assistance or any medical assistance from the NHS, and you have kept your weight off for X amount of years, I'd say too, then I think, quite frankly, the NHS would be barred not to consider helping you stay on track by um, giving you an operation where you have loose skin, you can have it removed. You sound as though you're speaking from experience. I am, yeah, I am a classic secret eater, but I'm blessed with good genes. My skin does go back, 
but I know about the psychological impact of having seen it with other people where they don't cost this country a penny and dieting is not cheap and you have so many barriers to overcome you get it off well, hang on. but you're thought... left with sagging skin Linda I would have thought that dieting was, was cheaper than the lifestyle that you were leading because you're eating Absolutely. less no it's the cost of decent food right. you can get cheap high calorie food very easily when you switch to what is purported to be the right way to eat fresh veg fresh meat low carbs in relation to you buy good bread not white highly pro- it costs a lot more why do you think you were eating so much were you eating in secret and and in denial about how much you were eating Absolutely. What? It gives you a high. It makes you feel fabulous. And I'm talking about the, the sugar rush that you get. You feel magnificent. You're full of energy. And then you crash and you start all over again, which is why I, I relate it to drug taking. And when you You're were crashing, always, sorry, yes. sorry, when you were crashing, what, what, what kind of feelings were you having then? What, what was the low? The low is very what what started me off in the no, first no, place. Just when you when you had the high and then and then you, you you had the low, so the cycle repeats itself. So you start stuffing your face again. What were you feeling in the low? What was it? Shame? Was it self-loathing? What was it? Absolutely. Um, I, I can't I can't explain it now because I have kicked the habit. Um, but you just feel, you do feel terrible shame. You think to yourself, why have I done that? You try and stop, and then you can't maintain it. You can't maintain this good feeling. And even with exercise, it, you don't get the same kind of feeling. And it's not um, me being stupid. It's, it's the way it is. And other people will know exactly where I'm coming from. Tom, t- and my point Go on. is, if I haven't cost the NHS a penny, then I think they should definitely assist. A tummy tuck costs about £5,000. Yep. You think that's money well spent? If it maintains a person's... If it stops a person from going back into that so- cycle again, absolutely. Supposing, just supposing, in the fictional world, Linda, that I am a massive cocaine abuser, right? Imagine yep. that. Imagine that. And uh, I have done such damage to my nose that my uh, the middle bit... You know, like it happened to that woman. The middle bit of my nose is completely disintegrated, OK? Yep. Should the NHS pay to fix that? If you are clean and can prove that you're going to stay clean, because it's not just the cost of um, the coke, it's you need money to fund your habit, you might be a criminal, so you're looking at um, costs in relation to reduced victims, you can't, you must view it all together, and I bet if you add it all up, it makes sense that the NHS steps in. It's still cosmetic though, isn't it? There is an argument, Linda, that the, the NHS should be treating people with cancer and with broken bones and, with, you know, with diseases. And it, you 
does, is having your, that's a disease? Well, the, 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 the addiction part of it is a disease, definitely. But then the, the, the kind of the cleaning up the mess afterwards, is that really, you know, the tummy tuck, the fixing of the nose, is, is that, is that part of the stopped, disease? If it stops people from continuing the same behaviour. And remember, if these people carry on after taking drugs or, or over, and I'm, I'm not just talking about being a stone overweight, I'm talking about the morbidly obese. If you calculate the cost to the NHS because of associated diseases, I guarantee you would come under budget. Linda, I really appreciate your call and your honesty this morning. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. There we go. That was great call. Linda, thank you. Well, she thinks she was an overeater. She was addicted to food. It's recognised by the WHO, not the rock group, the World Health Organisation, as an addiction. Uh, And she has uh, has sorted out her life. And should she have required it? She doesn't. But should she have required a tummy tuck? She thinks that, yeah, she should have got that on the NHS because ultimately she's saving, well, she's saving you money. What do you think? 08459 455555. I'm going to say nothing on that call. I'm going to let you have your say. I'd like keen to get your thoughts, please. 08459 455555. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Man, Radio. Live. It's a busy. Uh a busy show this morning. Let's have a, a, a little recap. Michelle, stay there. You've been very patient. I'll come to you in a second. A little recap, and then we'll dive in. If you want to give us a call, now would be an excellent time. Uh, we're talking about the story in the front page of the Mail. Uh, ban cosmetic surgery on the NHS. Cosmetic surgery should no longer be available on the NHS. A cosmetic surgeon has tweeted me. What do you think constitutes cosmetic surgery? Sometimes it can be difficult to define. Um... I've got to, I, I don't mean this flippantly, Frank. I'm, it's surgery that changes your appearance. I would, is that cosmetic? I would class that as cosmetic surgery. Would you, I mean, the way I would define it um, would be that it's about um, someone's state of mind rather than um, reconstructing anything that's been taken away. Thank you. Yes, I'd go along with that. So, yes, if you've been injured by, um, if you've been burnt by a fire... Or awful car accident. That's reconstructive. Rebuilt. Because cosmetic is... Well, OK, then would you class the tummy tuck? The lady we just spoke to then about the tummy tuck, would you class that as cosmetic or, or uh, reconstructive? I would think it would be reconstructive. See, I would err on the side... Been removed. Something's I, been taken away. I would err on the side of... Uh, the, the uh, of, Hang on a second. Con- cosmetic. Uh, cosmetic, yes. So, it, it, Frank Conroy's right. Of course he's right. Well, he's a cosmetic surgeon. He's an educated man. Isn't he just? 08459 455 555. Should we get rid of it on the NHS? Um, we are also talking about pole dancing. There's a story um, that some primary school kids were pole dancing at a fete. And it's kind of opened up the whole debate. And we'll speak to J-Dog about this in a bit. Um, it, it is pole dancing always sexual? Um, we're talking about pole exercise as well has kind of come into it. I, I, I just think you're dancing around a pole. It's phallic. The pole is phallic. If you don't know what that word means, then um, you, you, good for you. you. I'm not going to explain it to you. Um, it, it, there's, there's always something sexual about it, even if it's exercise, isn't there? Catherine disagrees. Maybe I'm wrong on this. 08459 455555. And another story. I told you it was a busy morning this morning. Uh, We've been talking about prisons. Uh, Prisons. They are overcrowded. Bedford Prison in particular is uh, particularly overcrowded. Michelle's in Bedford. Michelle, you've been waiting for ages. Thank you very much. What would you like to say? 
Well, um, hi, Ian. Uh, we're running a programme. My organisation has just been granted um, the opportunity to work with Luton Borough Council, working with those aged 19 to 29 at risk of lawlessness and gang culture having an amazing impact and effect on the eight weeks that we've worked with them already and uh, it's a 12 session program followed by one-to-one -one mentoring and the transformation we are seeing in these young people who are ex-prisoners um, young people who have offended uh, been into drugs you know quite hard to reach young people we are seeing a, a real positive transformation with the work we're doing and my advice is, is get us into Bedford Prison to help uh, eradicate that problem of overcrowding. What would you What would you be able to do, Michelle? How How, how would you help that? We We want a program which looks at you know self esteem, confidence. We We use military British military coaching techniques to change behaviour. So we've got military on board. We We get our program is designed to get under the skin of the clients. It's not a flowery program by any means, but we're there that they they feel that they've they've got someone to believe in them and it's about giving these young people um a chance a second chance what do you mean by military uh we use military we've got ex-military on board with our program in terms of the delivery in terms of instilling discipline right. uh we we relate that back to the employment and the world of work um, we do problem solving stuff, we look at how they respond to certain situations, we do drills, we do team building stuff, uh, things that are going to build their confidence, take them out of their comfort zone, press their buttons, mm. and then we equip them with the skills on how to respond to that when we relate it back to the world of work. And society, because the, the people we're working with, are, some of them are ex-prisoners who, who like the routine of prison because that's all they know. Uh, Michelle, uh, what, what's the name of this project? Uh, the project is called Reach for the Stars, and it's delivered by Reactivate. Uh, Michelle, I wish you the very best of luck. Thank you very much uh, for that. 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Interesting, it was named after an S Club 7 song. Um, oh look, Frank! Frank, the uh, the, pla the cosmetic surgeon is, is uh, we, he now thinks we're friends. Ian, what about the young child with the disfiguring port wine stain birthmark on their uh, bath birthmark on their face? Is laser treatment cosmetic? Catherine, can you answer that one for me? Um, yes, it is. That is cosmetic. Yes, it is. But there's a stronger argument for that yeah. than yeah. My boobs aren't. I mean, we're enough. talking about boobs and nose, Frank. To be honest. Um, and we just spoke to Linda, who uh, had an eating addiction, has an eating addiction, and has managed to overcome it. Charlotte's not happy. That woman not being able to say no to cake should definitely not qualify a person for free cosmetic surgery. And that's the thing. You would have to uh, uh, accept the premise that some people are addicted to food. Some people are lazy uh, and they have bad diets and they stuff their face full of food and they could, they could do stuff, stuff about it. There are some people that cannot stop eating and they eat, as, as Linda was saying, because they feel less than, because they have low self-esteem, because they hate themselves, they eat the food, that makes them feel better, 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 or oh, then suddenly they feel shame again because they've eaten, so they go around in a cycle. It's the same as people who drink, the same as people who are sex addicts or gambling addicts or drug addicts. It's that thing, you do something to take yourself out of yourself, you feel better for a moment, and then you just repeat the cycle of shame and self-loathing. 
But I'm guessing you don't accept that as a premise, Charlotte, which is, um, which is a shame because it, it, it's medically sound. Uh, 0845 555. Polder, such a busy show today, Catherine. What, what happened? We talked about some stuff that people cared about. Wow. We should try that again. <laughs> Take note and we'll, we'll, we'll try that again <laughs> next month, yes? Uh, we talked about pole dancing. Paul's in Stevenage. Morning, Paul. Morning, Ian. Paul, How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. What's your point? Uh, right, okay. Um, I can't um, comment on, obviously, the kids thing and, and whether that was inappropriate or not, but I disagree with your statement about polnastics. Um, about about what? Friend, I've never said polnastics. anything. Polnastics? Oh. You said it was sexual. Um, one of my friends is um, Southwest uh, Polnastics champion, and uh, I've been to a number of events, and it's completely about choreography and gymnastics. There's nothing sexual about it at all. There's men on the poles as well as women yeah, on men poles. Can, men, can be sexu- men can be sexual on a pole. Yeah, but it, but it isn't. It's, it's, I mean, you, you look and you think, right, OK, well, how have they? How on earth have they got the upper body strength right. to hold that position? Well, I've, just got, Googled, all about- I've just Googled polnastics, right? Yeah. First thing that's come up is a Groupon voucher for polnastics. It's a really, really, really hot woman with dusky <laughs> eyes wearing a, kind of a crop, a little, t- tight little bra um, in a sexual position. She's, she wants it, uh, and that's advertising polnastics. Yeah, but that's and that's not the way sexual. they're doing it. Okay, I've gone. To the, you, the next one I've gone to right on images, yeah, Google images, yeah. polnastics. Yeah, I, I mean, look at Laurie de, de Anne. There's a picture of Laurie de Anne. That's quite sick. What version of Google are you using? Well, we'll go to Google. The one I'm getting, I've got no, some Goog- women who look like any other women go to with uh, tracks like yeah, that. exactly. Mate? And we're talking about mate? women, big women that are overweight as well. Big women we're can be sexy. Yeah, but, but, but it's not sexy, though. Right, it's, it's a second. purely about gymnastics go and back. choreography. Go back. If, if you go to a proper go uh, event, it's completely different. Hang on a second. Go back. Google images, please. You're on Bing, for goodness sakes. Why would anyone look for something on Bing? <laughs> Do you know, this is true, Paul. The most searched for thing on Bing is yeah. Google. That's a fact. I'm about to do that. Go, so go to Google, type in polnastics. Maybe Google's a bit more pervy. I don't know. <laughs> you tell me Pippa polnastics is not sexy. Sexy. Polnastics Hertfordshire is not sexy. I think Group- I know Pippa polnastics. Gro- <laughs> Look at Pippa polnastics. She's got... Oh, oh, I'm glad she's wearing knickers. Everything's on display. Images. Go to images. Thank you. Look at Pippa polnastics. No, go go back. No, you're, you're still there, Paul. Go back. Yeah, I'm still there. Yeah. Go back, Catherine. Go back. Pippa Polnastics. Where? Three across, three down. Wow, you've memorised this. Three across, three down. <laughs> Hang on. I do know this, Pippa. Yeah. I do know. I think we've got a so new one. Actually. Oh, you know her, do you, Paul? Yeah, yeah, right. I do. How can you tell me that the picture advertising Pippa Polnastics is not sexual? I haven't. I haven't seen the website. But oh. the thing is, I've been to the. I've been to the events, and yeah. they they're not sexual at all. All right. All it's right. more sexual when I go and spend a day with the Dallas Cowgirls. Let's put it that oh, way. Oh, for goodness' <laughs> sakes, Paul! For dearie, dearie me, Pippa Polnastics, right? I'm going to ring her. Oh God, no! I don't want to talk to her. Why? Because I've seen frightened now. No, yeah, because I've seen. Be. She's a redoubtable woman. I've seen her wares. Pippa Polnastics. I'm sure she's a wonderful, wonderful woman, by the way. I'm sure she's absolutely fantastic. She's feisty. But that, you wait. No, but that picture, that picture is, um, is definitely piqued my interest. <laughs> Justin? I think that I should go to investigate. 
What do you think, boss? <laughs> Goodness, <laughs> just it's disgusting, though, isn't it? Children pole dancing. That's not good, is it? No, it's ridiculous. Absolutely. It's not good. It's in all the papers this morning. This father walked out in disgust. Their children as young as four. Is that correct? Were pole dancing at a school fete? Yes, they were. Yes. So um, I've been out this morning talking to parents about this to get their reaction. Here's what they had to say. As a mother, what do you think about young girls that are pole dancing to keep fit? Is that wrong? It's very wrong. It's out of order. I, w- I wouldn't let my daughter do it. Tell me why you wouldn't. It's just wrong. Tell me why it's wrong. It just goes against everything I believe in. So I wouldn't I wouldn't let my daughter do it. Do I wouldn't do it myself, <laughs> let alone a young girl. What do you believe in then? Um, I'm a Christian, so um, it's just out if you're a Christian to do such things. Because it's um, a bit... I don't know. It's just... Oversexual? Yes. I mean, what do you think, just lastly, and, and, and tell it the way it is, as far as you're concerned, what do you think about these parents who are allowing their young daughters to go to pole dancing lessons? What do you think about those parents? Are they bad parents? Yes, they are. Um, they shouldn't be exposing their kids to such things. When apparently all they're doing is keeping fit, though. Yeah. It's just out of order. It's just wrong. Thank you very much. Okay. Let me ask you, sir, you've got two young boys with you today. If you turned up at your local school fete and you saw young girls pole dancing, how would that make you feel? Surprised. You think it's wrong? I think probably it would be, yeah, because the, uh, the connotation's there. As a parent yourself, madam, what, what do you think about this? You've heard about this story. Yeah. What's your thoughts? I think it's really disgusting that children, girls, are being sexualised at such a young age. It's being brought to their attention Mm. that girls are to be sexy and that's a fun thing to do. But it's not. It's about having fun and playing. It's really offended you, hasn't it? Well, it's just not, not right, is it? These parents that are allowing their children to do that, you clearly wouldn't with your child... Are these parents bad parents for for allowing them to do this? They're probably young parents who have been sexualised themselves. Um, Katie Price wannabes, um, WAG wannabes, people like that who've been sucked into the media, who are being taught by television that it's okay to be like that rather than things of a, a higher intellect. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is Ian Lee. On BBC Three Counties Radio. It's Dave Luton. Good morning, boss. Good morning to you. Yeah. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm not too bad, thank you. Did you have a nice night's sleep? No. Tell me why, tell me why, why? Well, some days are all right. You've got arthritis, mate. And it, I tell you what, when you've got that, you have good days and bad days and bad nights. Why have you broken the convention we've established? I thought we were singing this bit. I don't know what you're saying there, so... I thought we were singing this bit. <laughs> we, no, I don't know what that is, mate. You I know thought I mean? we were singing this bit. We started off 
Sing in this conversation and you stopped and you did a little rap. Will you start singing the conversation again or will I have to cut you off? Right, right, that won't be the first time, will it? But have we got to talk about, have we got to talk to each other in opera? Yes, you know? we have today, oh. Luton. That's the way right. this phone call works. Right, it's regarding these uh, prisoners. Yes, thanks. Overcrowding in court, in the prisons. In court, in the prisons, yes. No. They're in the prisons and it's overcrowded and they've got to stay in the prisons in their cells a little bit longer. Yep. Tough. Tough, mate. What in the government, what in the courts, what in the prosecution, the, their solicitors, send them all with their families down to Butlin's holiday camp for four weeks? He said Butlin's, guys, in case you're worrying, he said Butlin's. <laughs> yeah, Butlin's holiday camp for yep. four weeks and give them their pocket money oh. to stop this overcrowding. Well, that, Dave. What a, what a country this is. What about the poor victims Dave? who can't get nothing? Dave, yeah, go on, carry s- on. Sending, sending prisoners to Butlin's with pocket money, I don't think that would go down very well with the electorate. Well, it's not going very, very well now with us because that's all we hear and read is about prisoners overcrowding, being treated roughing, going to the courts, seeking competition. You know, what is going on? What about the um, young men and women of this country who've made mistakes, Dave? They've made bad choices. By sending them to a, a harsh, overcrowded environment... They're not going to learn from that. They're not going to uh, feel remorse or or, or or anything like that. They're they're going to. Oh, um, but hang on. did they think of that before they went out and committed the crime? Did they think of that that they're going to have a rough time in prison, fill up prisons? They might have spilled twenty three hours in a cell. Did they think about that before they done their crime? Sorry. What about the poor victims who've had to suffer to their crimes? But but the thing, but the point is, Dave, and you're missing the point. No, it, you are, and I'm going to point it out to you. I'm going to point out the point that you've missed. Okay? Yeah, go and, on. And then you're going to thank me. No, I ain't. Go ahead, carry on. No, I'm going to point out the point that you've missed, and then uh, you're yeah. going to thank me. Okay? No, I'm not. I'm going to educate you, Dave. No, you're not going to educate that's me. What I like educate to educate you. That's what I like to hear. A nice, open mind, right? Yeah. yeah. If we treat these b- people badly in prison, more of them... Are you still there? Dave? Dave? It's in the phone. Right, all right. Come, you, you keep cutting out, right. Your phone is rubbish. No, it's yours. Okay. If we treat prisoners badly... Mm, Overcrowding, yeah. we don't give them education. No, will you listen? Well, listen. Go on, then. Well, stop interrupting, and I will. <laughs> stop laughing like a dirty old man. If we treat prisoners badly, overcrowding, we don't respect them, we don't uh, educate them, then more of them, and this is a statistical fact, more of them will come out and reoffend. If we treat them better, if we treat them like human beings, if we give them respect and space and education opportunities... Yeah, and compensation, yeah, go on. No, not compensation. Then yeah, less... No, then less of them will offend, reoffend. So it's better, not just for the prisoners, it's better for you and it's better for me if we work with them instead of just locking them up like cattle. 
That's a fact. No, 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 no. D- Dave, you're cutting off your nose to spite your face, and then you're going to go and get reconstructive surgery on the NHS. It, oh, is, really? it is better for us if we treat them with respect. Because they won't do more... Less of them will do more crimes. That's a fact. Oh, dear. It's a oh fact. And I, I know, isn't it awful when you're having a discussion with someone and they present you with facts? It's awful and it's unfair, but that's what I'm doing, Dave. I'm being unfair by giving you a fact. Oh, well, I'm giving you a fact. What about the poor victims that have had to go through all this? Yes. They don't get nothing. They get ignored yeah, yeah. and they have to fight for justice. Isn't that wrong? They can't get it. Isn't and that it's wrong? a shame. Isn't that wrong? It is wrong, and it's, and it's wrong, isn't it wrong that we're giving all this cuddly wuddly to these prisoners yep. when they're in prison. Isn't that wrong? When they come out of prison, yep. we're giving them all this cuddly wuddly. So you're saying, Dave, your argument is you would like more people to be the victims of crime. I don't want to see people the victims oh, of crime, sorry, no. Sorry, because you've obviously not understood the fact I told you. That oh, my, no. my way, your way, more people will be the victims of more crime. My well, way, less yeah. people will be the victims of uh, less crime. Yeah. That's, that's a fact. Give them hot water bottle, no, centrally and in their cells because they get cold. Sorry about that, but... That's my feelings. Okay, so you do want more people to be a victim of crime, Dave. That's that's excellent. Just just one more thought, Dave. What, what, what are your opinions on uh, prisons and prisoners? Tough, mate. Okay, thank you very much indeed. How do you like uh, your steak? Tough, mate. Okay, all right, all right, all right. Uh, how would you rate yourself, Dave? Are you soft, hard, or tough? Tough, mate. Okay, just so we know. Just so we know. The, the, the possibilities are almost endless. Do you like your cro- how do you like your crosswords, Dave? Tough, mate. Okay. Do you like easy Sudoku or not? Tough, mate. Okay, okay. Um, <laughs> say that again, Kels. What does he say when he wins a game of chess? Tough, mate. Yeah, well, it's oh, wrong. wrong. It's supposed to be checkmate, Dave. Oh, Dave, so silly. Do you want to pick on someone who's uh, pick on an old man who's not here, Catherine? No. Because you're going to. <gasps> yeah. yeah. Uh, David says, Ian, I saw you on a TV programme a couple of weeks ago. Your eyes look different. Have you had a procedure? Yes, I have. I've had cosmetic surgery on the NHS. No, he hasn't. He's just lost a bit of weight so you can see him. Leslie in Watford says, There's now secret about my overeating. And no, dieting is not cheap. My food bill always goes up when I diet. Did you see that email I sent you? Yeah. You going to read it? Yeah. So go on then. You just need to get past the angry chihuahua. <laughs> Jenny says it's interesting it it must be frustrating um, when you're having a discussion some may call it an argument with someone and then the the, the other person presents you with facts as I was doing to Dave Mm -hmm. I I couldn't be involved in a conversation like that and ignore the facts that was given to me apart from when you were talking to me earlier on about pole nasty you were giving well you were giving opinion fact Who's printing at this time of day? Everyone. Kelly Betts. Why are you printing, mate? Uh, probably in the podcast stuff. Oh, okay. going to record it after the show. Hey, what's the podcast? Sell it. It's the best bit of the show that you can download and put on your MP3 player or your computer. So you can avoid all this nonsense and hear the good bits. Yeah. This, is, like the, this, this, like, this is the good beats. Like this. What? Play that bit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, like this. Tough, mate. And this. Do you have my respect, mate? Yeah. And this. Tough, mate. Jenny has sent us an email. Oh, would you read it? Yeah. I agree that the NHS should help the overweight, but I do know a friend who had the whole lot done on the NHS. 
Jaws wired, really? Oh, Gastric band, excess skin removal, whole body lift, and then within 18 months, the whole lot was back yeah. extra. Yeah. In these cases, I think the NHS are within their rights to claim a fee from people like this. Oh. I've aired my views to my friend who disagrees and no longer talks to me. Oh. wonder why. I would love to get help with weight loss, but people who get it all stops me. It is wrong, says Jenny. Jaws wired. Do they do that? I was going to say, do they, I remember there was a big thing for it in the late 70s, early 80s, jaws being wired. So your mouth is like that. And what you have is you have a little hole in the mouth and you can put a straw through it. Wow. And you, you can only suck. Did you see that stuff in the papers last week? Mm. Where the guy was liquidising Mars bars? Yeah. I mean, some people will always try to cheat the system. They should have been weeded out first off. Uh, but the thing is, you're not... Because he had a gastric band and so he couldn't eat big food. So he would, he would slurp down... A, this is true. He'd have a kebab smoothie. It's disgusting. Oh, I've not had a kebab for um, 25 years. I might disgusting. have one today. Disgusting. Um, so he would have a kebab smoothie. But the, 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 the point is, obviously, with the mouth, the jaw wiring and the, the gastric bands, is you're not dealing with the, the mental... The mental problem, and it is a mental problem. If you need your jaw wide up to stop you from eating, it's not about the food, is it? I wonder um, if you can nominate people to have their jaws wired. I've tried. They're not listening to me. Well, maybe they'll listen to me, because I'm a celebrity. Are you? Yeah, 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 I used to be on the telly. Oh, I used to. Well, I mean, I've got it on VHS if you want to borrow it. VHS. That's a video. Do you know what a video is? Oh. I can lend you a video player. I got loads of them, loads of them. Yeah, to watch himself on. Well, no, they're for um, historical uh, reference purposes. Yeah, your career. Like yeah. Your, yeah. Well, um, I think you'll find who's um, got a radio show now. Mm. Exactly. Jonathan. Well, no, Two technically, minutes. yes, his, his show's coming up now. You're warming up for the main, main act. Well, yeah, no, I know, listen, I, I know he's the big guy and all of that, but but if it's I... Got a place in okay, okay. Yours? Whoa, uh, okay, all right. Uh, I've got Ryland's telephone number. Have you got Ryland's telephone number, Jonathan? No, I've got it. I've got Ryland's telephone number. Give him a ring. I'm now. not going to call him now. I don't think he'll ask It's early. Number. No. It'd be like... Mm. I'll, call, I'll get him to... I'll t- Get him. I'm on Channel Five on Saturdays. Oh, the big channel, the main. Right, the, that's just forget it. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice, thank you very much indeed. Little blast in the ear to tell her to hurry up. It wasn't. I had the fader open, and I didn't mean to. It was my fault. Right, that's it. That's the warm-up over. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the main attraction. Would you please give it up for the one, the only, Mr. Jonathan Vernon Smith. <laughs> Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. I thank you all. 